the whole time he just acts like it's all ridiculous and he plays a character with a PhD in parapsychology. Like, right. <laughs> he writes this very interesting line of like being a dick, being yep. in on the joke, and being incredibly endearing. Did Lardass have to pay to join that pie contest? Or did they just let him in? <laughs> no, Vern. They just let him in. Oh, great story, man. <laughs> great story. <laughs> they go in through your dick hole and take it out. Ah, God damn <laughs> I'm like, it. huh? <laughs> uh, I'm not laughing at you. It's unfathomable. Uh, I have to laugh because otherwise I cry. Hey everyone and welcome to episode 65 of Long Walk Short Drink. I am Palmer. Broadcasting and podcasting to you from Dayton, Ohio. And this is Dave talking to you from Northfield, Minnesota. Greetings. What's up, buddy? Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome one and all. How yeah. are you? How are you, sir? You looking uh, like you trimmed your beard up there. I know. Less hair, less beard. Yeah. It's all like no hat so you can see all my hair. Like, in your head in a while. <laughs> and... Uh, so um, I got a sleep study done oh, yeah. after we started the new job and I got a CPAP machine and I could not, it could not seal on my face. The mask couldn't seal uh, with my beard hair. And so <clears throat> I tried, took this all down to try to see if that will help it seal better. So I'm going to like trim it down as little as I have to. This is as long as I would like it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can get away with this length, that would be great. But if I need to go shorter to try to get it to seal, we'll see. Have so, you not tried it yet? No, I haven't tried it yet. Uh, it's it's really uncomfortable, man. If you're not oh. used to it, and kind of, I, I keep getting really claustrophobic with it. Um, Ooh. so I like ramp myself up, and I get real panicky, and I'm like, "You're never gonna fall asleep like this," yeah. and I have to literally like talk myself down and. I have yet to have a like a panic, what I would consider a panic attack. And I've always been able to fall asleep when I have it on, but it's just a real struggle. And then it's like the first mask I had, like really, uh, it pulled up on my nose. So I would wake up at like, you know, between three and four in the morning with my nose, just like on fire. Cause it had been pulled up oh. like uncomfortably all night long. And, uh, so then I tried a new mask, like a new kind of mask that sits on my face differently. And that one it is really comfortable, but it won't seal at all on my face. It wouldn't be because like I had it so tight. Like I, I was like back like this and <laughs> it was so tight and it still wasn't sealed. Uh, and just because it was, um, all blowing out like you could feel it around my face like blowing out from my beard so is that that's all from the recent one or did you ever have one before i had one before yeah that 
it just like set in my uh, on my upper lip and went in my nostrils and i just remembered i have that mask still so i might get that out and try that to see if that works because uh that i do remember really liking that so we'll see but uh the other sounds awful (laughs) yeah that's why i uh uh, long walk short drink that's why i trim my beard I feel like we should never apologize for those kinds of things on mic. I, yeah. I did it too right before we went on, <laughs> which I shouldn't have <laughs> about nothing. But once we're in the long, long, short drink zone, all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, it just—it's the name of the show. By this point, it like it, it's just what—it's what you come for, right? So, yeah. uh, uh, man, I don't know. So. Um, we, uh, by the way, we had, uh, we currently have two watching welcome right. long walkers. Um, yeah. and then, um, we got a new subscriber. I saw that notification come through. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to bring up YouTube to see what, what we're at now. So is it like 86, 83? It looks 83? like 83. Oh, okay. So man, I was trying to steal a couple extra ones there. <laughs> Shit. Um, so uh i have since we're just on the topic of subscribers so we're uh it's no secret that this episode was supposed to we're talking about uh, uh, the main the overarching theme of this episode is we're going to try to touch on stand by me and ghostbusters yeah long walk uh, short drink remembers yeah long walk <laughs> short drink remembers those two things uh and i'm sorry to like jump around so much but since we're talking about subscribers in an accident i was sent um two oh, copies yeah. of stand by me on blu-ray yeah uh to watch uh, and so this one is brand new and i thought since we talk so fucking much about it when we finally get that hundredth subscriber let's when shit like this when we run across shit like this that's like show related or whatever yeah, yeah. when we get that hundred subscriber let's just send them a giant like thank you basket for being That's a our great idea subscriber yeah of, like all this is. junk yeah whoever it ends up being oh, that's and like awesome. we'll try to get like i you know and just like send them all this like long walk short drink stuff because just because we've literally talked about it every episode <laughs> that we're trying to get to our unique url like ash knows the spiel by now <laughs> my father which speaking of which my father-in-law might call in live while we're what? recording and want to go on the speakerphone. That'd be amazing. What? Uh, Say more about that. <laughs> so she was talking to her dad and he's like, he's a truck driver. And so uh-huh. he's like, she's telling him about the show and she's like, oh, you should go to YouTube and subscribe so they can get their unique URL. Like she says it just like we say it. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, I'll listen to him on the, uh, you know, while I'm driving the truck because he can't watch. Obviously, he's safe. Yeah. He can't yeah. watch, but he'll run the Bluetooth over his radio and uh awesome he's like does he take call-ins and she's like it's not a radio show dad it's not like that and like total uh uh dad about it uh which was awesome so that was uh, great so we'll see if he calls in that would be funny if he does yeah well isn't today ash wednesday i saw it is it is ash's day yeah yeah do you spoil Uh, her on this day extra (laughs) Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> uh, so she actually uh, was good. She went to mass. So, um, I mean, I'm not Catholic. It's not like I like she yeah, don't have to. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going. But she uh, 
uh she's going my joke is always every mass we go to i'm like i have to do all the exercises and i don't get the snack at the end and that's oh. <laughs> oh yeah because you can't take communion yeah. if you're not a right yeah right but it's but i got to do the all the like stand up sit down stand up sit down <laughs> thing shake everybody's hand stand up sit down sing some more stand up pray sit down watch everybody else get a snack yeah bullshit unacceptable not worth yeah. it <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jesus. On Ash Wednesday. God damn. Oh, like, goodness. That's, that's terrible. It's good my mom doesn't listen. Oh, fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, is she subscribed, though? She should subscribe. That's right. You know, I think Moto might have done that for us. <laughs> I, I want to say yes. Saying that that he went to everybody's account and, and subscribed, yeah. uh, which is awesome. So. Um, yes. So if by some miracle you have not done this to your own friends and family, just grab their cell phone and, and click the link. You know what? I'm trying to think of like an easy way that our listeners can get the link. I know it's in, I put the bit.ly link in each of the show notes. Um, so you could find it there. Search long walk, short drink on YouTube. But anyway, yeah, we're trying to get to 100 subscribers. We're 17 away. And when we do that, we should qualify to be able to have our unique URL. So you can go to, so instead of always having to say, go to YouTube and search Long Walk Short Drink, which is what we have to say now, you could simply go to youtube.com slash LWSDpod or whatever you know we choose. So that's why yeah. we're hounding you about this. And now, If they let us have LWSD, I think we should just have LWSD. Yeah, that we could totally. Awesome. I'm, yeah. I can't imagine. I'm going to check right now if anyone <laughs> else has that. Uh, L W. I just don't know if they make you do it like based on your username or not. I hope not. I hope you can like make it anything so. you want. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody has that, so that that can be us. Awesome. Um. Yeah. So, and if that, you know, hey, if it ends up being one of your family members end up being one our hundred subscriber, you don't have to tell them that you get the goodie basket with all of the long walk short drink related shit. In yeah. It. Like you can take credit. like this brand new copy, <laughs> brand new Blu-ray copy of stand by me which we'll yeah. be discussing at some point this evening so that's awesome that is a terrible shameless plug go cheat <laughs> go cheat for us sign all your friends and family up uh so we can get our yeah so do that <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, i please. have no shame <laughs> <laughs> um nice shirt by the way Excellent thank you yeah. I, it's funny that you mentioned the giveaway because i just yesterday so this, they had these, oh, well, let me grab it because it's it's right there. Hold on one All second. Right. Oh, he's got his Kyle gas sweats on. Viewers can see that I'm rocking my red sweats. <laughs> I just said he's got his Kyle gas sweats on. Yeah. yeah. Oops. Um, but at, around the holidays at Target, they had these um, Funko uh t-shirt boxes that were like like vhs's so they look like a double kind of purposely aged i'm holding it up for youtube viewers um so here's uh but it really was a t there it's a t-shirt inside and so um i'm wearing That's the awesome. blood sport one and and i also have a rocky one uh but i nice. i think they were back to the future and stuff a lot of like yeah the types of things we talk about but I, I got one for myself that I didn't open because I'm like, if anyone, <laughs> you know, has to get a last minute gift for me, every, most, you know, everybody goes to Target, I think. <laughs> and so 
I could see somebody picking it up and, sh- and lo and behold, my sister did give it to me for <laughs> Christmas. So I just returned the one I bought myself. Uh, but that was my first thought of like, oh, I had this extra long walk, short drink related thing that I could throw into the pot. But yeah, we'll keep a. I'm sure that know, there's some things that we can that we can find around and uh, procure to make it to make it fun for yeah, the yeah yeah. So. I have an on writing paperback for uh, Stephen King's magnificent book. There you go. Oh I, my gosh. I mean, I I know most people would be f- so like that could be thrown in there because then I could get the hardback. <laughs> <that I deserve. laughs> <laughs> oh, so many selfish reasons yeah. that like just shameless shelters reasons. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Let's all right. Let's so stop digging um, this hole. <laughs> yeah, I, I already uh I uh already told Dave, but I'm not fasting this week. Um I wanted you know I wanted soup. I and mean, this is a guy that doesn't like soup. I am always like soup is not a meal. People are like, oh what are we having for dinner tonight? Cream and bro- broccoli soup. That's not a meal. Yeah, I'm in that camp. I've been trying to change that mentality a little bit, but I can't quite get out of it. <laughs> um, there are a handful, though, of what I would call stews, more or less, that I, I do consider to be meals. Like chili, that's a meal. Oh, yeah. Right? We you got know? that cooking in the other room. It sounds amazing. Yeah. And so I was really craving uh, beef barley soup, like homemade beef and barley uh-huh. soup, you know? And... Uh, so I told Ash, I was like, because hey, it was supposed, we had a really, I guess everybody had a really cold weekend um, mm. uh, this past weekend. And so I was like, doesn't it sound good to just have a big pot of soup on that we can just munch on all weekend? And uh, she's like, yeah, that does sound good. So, but she said, well, you can only make it though if you promise to help me eat the leftovers. So <laughs> that's what we've been munching on that soup. We just, uh, Ash is going to take the last of it for lunch tomorrow. So, and then I'll wrap it up. But, it was delicious soup, and I so I figured uh, since I'm already not fasting this week, uh, I'm gonna have some beers tonight. So fun! fun. Uh, and as soon as he told yeah. me that, I ran to get some. <laughs> Thankfully, so, there were a couple of uh, You know, long walkers, grab your beverage of choice, um, and uh, let's crack one open and get yeah. rolling with uh, some long walk. We have some long walks tonight. They're no. like they're gonna be long walks. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, nice. I've been yeah. looking forward to this. No, it's gonna be great. So, all right, on three and three. All right, yes. What you so, got there? Uh shock top. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a. Remind me again some, what type of beer that actually is. That's like, a what? Belgian wheat. I yeah, think. okay. A Belgian white. Um, it's one of those like you put oranges in it. So. I have some oh, little man. like oranges that I'm going to put in mine. Good man. I got a Summit Winter Ale that someone left at one of those gatherings we had. Awesome. That has survived. <laughs> I've put, we were keeping beers in uh, from this type of thing in a cooler in the garage, but it has been so unbelievably cold here for so long that we had to take them out and for fear that they would freeze and break even in the cooler. Right. Um, and I convinced the bride <laughs> to allow me to keep them, to keep that cooler in our downstairs, like bedroom and joined bathroom so that I couldn't like go in and get them. And that has worked. In fact, I, I've become much better at like 
out of sight, out of mind is is usually enough. Honestly, in good that regard. That's awesome. Yeah, so I can't like put it in a trunk and back it up against the, the garage like I did with food for a while. But um, anyway, so cheers. Cheers, man. Awesome. Okay. So I'm looking at the show notes and there's like all kinds of crap on here. Yeah, I started this afternoon. I've been trying to get in the habit of making that document early and just leaving everything on there. I was like, well, what can I talk about? And I was like, oh, man, there's a lot of things. And I could talk about endless stuff that's not even on there. And then we got our good stuff. So, geez. Yeah. So so tell me, though, you're not fasting. That's largely just to eat the... <laughs> eat the leftovers today. If it, to get the soup that I wanted, I had to promise that I would eat the left help eat the leftovers of the soup. That because you can't just make like a bowl of homemade soup. Yeah, yeah. it's so hard, right? And so, <laughs> uh, even you can't even make two bowls of homemade soup. And so you, I made a pot of soup because you make you make something that you want to let simmer all day, you know, and like. Yeah. Then put it in the fridge in the pot overnight. That's what happened. Like we simmered it all day with just the meat and the vegetables and the broth. And then put it in the fridge overnight to let that like all those flavors like come together. And then on Sunday, we that's when I added the barley and then let that simmer for a good couple hours those to let that really like plump up. And then it was like it just got better every day. It was awesome. That is awesome. So yeah, when last uh, we talked, though, you were um, you were planning to basically not eat during the week and then just do weekends. Is yeah, that still the general approach. That's oh yeah, that's what I that's my that's my goal for sure. Uh, it's not it is it's not as cut and dry as that all the time, but that's still that is every week. That's my goal. Like let's spend these uh, let's spend these five days, and I started to tell ash or i mean i not started to i have told ash that on those those fasts once i get past like day two of not eating i feel amazing it's like right now like i'm drinking this beer and i've had food and kind of like some crappy stuff today and i uh had some pizza last night and I'm so congested right now. And, but it's like when I fast after two days, like you can, there's, you can see the inflammation in my hand, the difference in my hands and my feet has gone down. Um, I can breathe fine and all kinds of weird stuff. It's like, and then you get this big energy boost and like all of the things that you would not expect to happen, start to happen. If you can just, have you ever seen Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, yeah, only probably only the once, but okay, I've only seen it once too. But it kind of sticks with you. It's a pretty like <laughs> yeah, parts of it certainly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know which parts you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, um, I can think of a handful. I think I know what you're thinking of there, but I'm, yeah. I can also just picture like DiCaprio just like screaming and yelling into my oh yeah, that's great, stuff. that's great. And then that scene uh, where the, the, the where they're on Quaaludes, he and Jonah Hill, right? Yeah, where they can yeah. barely move. They took the lemon cues or whatever, like the the lemon eighty threes or whatever. I forget what the the what the designation was, but they got more potent with age. But the time it took for them <laughs> yeah. to kick in was less, so they just keep taking them. Makes <laughs> <laughs> me want to watch that movie. But yeah. sorry, you were t- you were mentioning something specific. Well, it's in reference to the Quaaludes, actually, because when they first introduced the Quaaludes, they talk about how if you could just 
stay up for the first 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. Like if you could resist the urge to sleep for the first 15 minutes, you would just be fucked up. Like it would just like <laughs> switch to this like awesome high. Mm-hmm. And that's what fasting. I, I, I think of that description the, the hmm. when I started to realize that's what fasting was doing where I feel like crap. And then day three hits and you shit your brains out <laughs> and that's no lie. And then as, after you do that, then it's like four and five. You're like on, you don't, I, I almost don't want to eat when I get through day five. Huh? Cause I'm worried I'm going to feel like shit again. And like, now I've eaten like crap pretty much for the last five days and not like crap. That soup was really, there was a ton of vegetables in it. Um, we didn't really eat out this past weekend at all. So, I mean, I've, I've been definitely better than I was before, but I definitely can tell that I've been eating like I'm congested and I'm like small, stiff and little inflamed and, stuff like that and have you been able to like identify do you think like certain foods maybe or you're not really to that oh no i mean i'm sure there's a gluten thing in there i'm sure there's a dairy thing in there like we pretty much cut out dairy and then even on the weekends for the most uh, part yeah yeah um but then we really started craving coffee and if you're gonna have coffee you have to have cream in your coffee Uh. so um but i know like the wheat the gluten stuff that that really i think that has a huge impact on my sinuses that's why huh. where i get really congested so this uh the so that the approach of like uh, the kind he of says as he drinks his wheat ale yeah well, belgian white uh, the the um so but the kind of restrictive eating of like only on weekends essentially is that some sort of plan that you researched and adopted or like a tweaked version of restrict restricted eating for yourself or uh it is a, i mean it's a variant on uh extended fasting and time uh like time restricted eating because on the weekends then i try um to do to really limit how much i eat so i did re- research and they said that if you're going to do extended fast like that to really jumpstart to really facilitate weight loss so that sustained weight loss you need to kind of eat a little bit on the weekends um okay like eat healthy but you need to eat um uh because that it allows it retrains your body on how to process on what it should do with food to use food for fuel instead of using food for storage yeah. So, so if you're eating kind of healthy on the weekend, when you do eat, it doesn't freak out and store all the bad stuff. It gives right, you the nutrients right, that you right. Been... Okay. Huh. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know. We'll just see. We'll just see. I mean, I'm. I have still lost. Like I haven't been eating at work. I will for the last couple of days. I I did have that pizza last night while I was home alone. But like Monday and tonight, like I came home, I had a bowl of soup. Uh, bowl of that beef and broccoli soup, beef and barley soup, and then I've still lost. Like I've lost since I've even lost weight since Monday when I did my oh, like wow. weekly weigh in. So, and I took I weigh I got on the scale today, like late in the day. Like you know they say you're supposed to weigh yourself first thing in the morning because that's like when the you have the least inflammation from like just moving around and you don't have food in your stomach and 
all that stuff. I usually try to weigh myself after I poop even, you know, in the morning. Yeah, good call. <laughs> and uh, so I weighed myself like this evening and I still was down in weight. Um, nice. I was really reluctant. At, I, I mean, still, I'm really early on into this whole process, but um, I'm still trying to figure out what works. We still really haven't added a lot of activity yet, uh, which Ash, bless her heart, has been like super, super diligent and tenacious about reminding me of that. And uh, but we're really going to we're getting ready to start that uh, very soon. So um, that's going to be the next step. Um, But it's just really just trying to find my place in it and trying to find what works. But the first couple of weeks, I was really hesitant because I was kind of like regaining everything that I had lost over the five days. Like I would do my Monday weigh in and I would weigh more or I, than I did the previous Monday or uh, stuff like that. And so it was weird. Uh, But now this, now it seems to have gotten to a point that my body is in this like cycle of fasting and, and eating that I'm still progressing down the right direction, even though I've been consuming, you know what I mean? So um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, fasting. I mean, I would never, I thought it would just be miserable the whole time, but it really is like that. If you can get past, if you can get over that. And honestly, this, I do believe the snake juice does help keep those, those bad days. Like the first, Oh yeah. Like, yeah. uh, cause day three, for some reason really can get really bad. Like if I feel like I am sick, Almost like mm-hmm. like what, but then when I started drinking the snake juice, that really, uh, as terrible as it was, and I started, I really developed a taste for it. Like it didn't make me want to cry every time I would take a sip of it. Is that the thing good. you put in the water? Yeah, the salts. Oh like yeah, the electrolytes, right? They and spo- so electrolytes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do they, do they sponsor? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, uh, no, that it, that's actually a YouTube channel. That that's, oh, okay. the snake diet is what it's is what it refers to, and so. Hmm. Um, but I did find that those symptoms, all of that stuff was very much more tolerable while I was using that snake juice, drinking that snake juice. So you don't get the cramps and all that stuff. And I didn't get cramps. I did, however, limit myself to only two of those a day. Like he says, that's all you should drink. You shouldn't drink any fresh water at all. You should just drink Hmm. snake juice all the time. And I'm really nervous about the amount of sodium. <laughs> so I will do two of those a day and then one of one liter of fresh water, like in the morning to just kind of like get my whole, get my kidneys flowing and get, you know, so I can get some good pee and stuff like that. And then do snake juice, two snake juices throughout the day and then nothing really in the evenings. But I'm not, it's weird. I don't get thirsty either when I drink it. Like, and I told Ash, I was like, it has to be, there has to be something to it because like I was reading a lot of people are like, oh, well, salt, how does this work? Because salt makes you retain water. How do you lose weight? And, but I was like, my ankles actually are less swollen when I drink snake juice and I'm fasting than when I'm eating and not drinking snake juice where it's just salt water essentially. So I'm sure compared to my regular diet, it's still less sodium, which is just <laughs> yeah. so sad. 
Uh, <laughs> but, and, and is that a thing you order, or is it a thing you mix up yourself? The uh, I I made uh, I ordered all the components, like two pounds of each of the different salts that you use, and then uh, I ordered these little glass jars. They're like I don't know, like three gram. They hold like three out, two or three ounces and funnels and so i put this like i measure out the stuff in each one of those and so one of those bottles i just dump into my nalgene bottle well my this bottle right here it's not an algene it's a contigo oh yeah but that's a, that's a liter of water and so one of those bottles is a liter i put that in then fill that up with water and shake it a bunch until all the salt dissolves and then drink it you drink it all at once or you sort of sip it oh no i just drink it throughout the day i don't drink it all that would be that would be horrific and make me cry. <laughs> it's, it's like uh, the the best. I, mean, I don't know if I did use this description on the last show, but it's like really, I think I did. It, it's it's really, it's like if you have a water softener that's, oh, yeah. tur- that's turned up too high. So you know how like you can taste the salt of the water softener if it's turned up too high. That's what That's what it tastes like. Oh, and I said I would I would try that with our our and I haven't. <laughs> God, That's okay. I, do I don't blame you. Like, but I yeah. I'm yeah. I, I I I'll do it. Maybe I'll do it during the show <laughs> after a break or something. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Moto. Says he's uh, glad to hear I'm getting some nutrients too. Yeah, yeah. I'm keeping an eye on it. Always glad to see him in the chats. Yeah. So. uh how about you? It's uh, so that's my goals. I saw there was some a mark on there for well, your, yeah. with your goals. I, so how about your goals? I actually I did take some time uh, to do my goals, and I I I I had yeah. That's been this like long gestating period, and uh, of of uh, going through like my bullet journal. Like I keep a daily journal. I didn't haven't thought of it as such, but it basically is um, of what I did during the day, but not a lot about how I feel about things. Anyway, I, I went back through that. I talked about this on earlier episodes. I'll just kind of gloss over that. But I had quite a lot of information about things that I liked or didn't like about last year. And um, I had a, I had the... I wanted to do like a non-project-based thing. My, my past, you know, conscious goals have been based around projects, especially when I was doing like... Um, f- well, I wasn't actually full-time music, but I would think about it that way. <laughs> kind of music career goals and, and, and progress goals in that regard about number of gigs to play or <laughs> things I wanted to release, all that kind of stuff. And I had really thought of... I, anyway, that stuff just kind of comes naturally for me and I put a lot of pressure on myself for that and I was like, I'd like to shift the focus here. So I started um, with some pretty broad categories and I even tried to do like your Venn diagram that you shared uh, a couple episodes back. I, yeah. I, I thought that would be cool because I really liked where you arrived with that and the way it was organized and thought through and, and the simplicity of that, I especially envied because of my unwieldy like Word document. So what I ended up doing is I um, I have a website, davidallman.net and... Um, it's been kind of a repository for my music, film projects, and also for the podcast. And so I, I decided that I would make a page there for my goals and make it the home screen of every time I launch my browser. So a way to just see it. Nice. And also kind of, 
see it in this context of like this website and of, of that I would also like to build out and uh, that can kind of remind me of project-based stuff. So um, I, I don't I did include it. You can look at it. I, I figure I'll read some of this just because you shared yours and I also like the, uh, not just the accountability, but there's something about making things real by telling them to other people that. Sure. So I, so I included uh I, I, I really gained a lot of inspiration from an awful lot of places, but one of the things that resonates for me most often is the Bruce Lee podcast, which is a, a podcast about, you know, you know, the martial arts legend, Bruce Lee, who also happened to be a, um, a philosopher. He majored in philosophy in college and really thought about his whole life through the lens of um, philosophy and uh, uh, developing his own ideas about what he would call being an artist of life. <laughs> so anyway, it's a lot to get into, but I, I adopted, but they actually did a goal episode on that uh, podcast, which is hosted by Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, and uh, her friend, a cultural anthropologist, Sharon Lee, no relation. But uh, so I, um, I, I won't read those necessarily. Maybe just the first one. Ah, fuck it. I'll read some of this. So anyway, I have this page goals for 2019 theme for the year be water my friend which is uh, one of the most famous bruce lee uh quotes because you know he says basically water can is the softest stuff in the world but can it can penetrate rocks and it can it can flow or it can crash and the sort of fluidity of water sort of what he aspired to in his um his martial arts and, and in all things actually and then i adopted this um there's like a self-help or uh well it's an allen on phrases where i kind of let go and let god but that doesn't really work for me so i got let go and let flow so be water my friend let go and let flow so basically like let things happen so um anyway there's a few things in the in there that i put up atop that are like goals should give you something to aim at but should not overwhelm you or make you feel trapped they should facilitate dreaming which is from the bruce lee podcast um Anyway, that that stuff just remind. There's like a four things there. Fuck yeah. it. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm trying to blow through this, but I'll just blow through it by reading quickly. Clarity of purpose. Know what you want and drop the proverbial pebble into the pond with clarity. Which is actually my sort of adopting a Bruce Lee idea of when you drop a pebble into a pond, it creates ripples. So if like you take action, that action creates little ripples that can like eventually spread to the edge of the pond or your life or like when you do things, put things out into the world. They make an impact right uh another is do the work available to you in the moment rather than getting hung up about what you should be working on or could be working on the thing that wants to be worked on usually makes itself known to you which is something sharon said on the podcast that i felt like she was talking directly to me (laughs) um another is paraphrase uh there are no small goals even mundane tasks like cleaning your closet can teach you about yourself and contribute to a sense of accomplishment and serve as a pathway to bigger things and finally, your goals need not please every, anyone else. Quote, what does my mind, body, and spirit, and heart want from this year? It was the last of these sort of, I don't know, motivating statements, awesome. I guess. Yeah. So around this theme of be water, my friend, let go and let flow. So I created three overwhelming, or three overarching, rather, goals of health, harmony, and happiness. <laughs> And um, in health, I, I have some, I broke it down into fitness, nutrition, rest, and sort of a mental, spiritual component. 
So in the fitness category, meet my Fitbit goals six to seven days a week. Uh, it's just something I've enjoyed doing last year and keep, I'm just going to keep up. Uh, do karate in the garage. <laughs> Fifth, uh, this sort of 15 minute interval training one to two days a week. I've really only done about one day a week for the most part, but I'd like to maybe up it to two. Um, average 15 pull-ups at a time, which I was up to recently, but I'm back down to about 13. This one is a little bit pushing my boundaries, but increase flexibility such that I can perform a full helicopter kick. <laughs> These are awesome goals, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, helicopter kick is like that JCVD kick where you, and you see Bloodsport and Kickboxer where he jump up in the air and turn his body around completely like 360. I used to be able to do this. Um, I can do it like a, with one leg kind of pulled back towards my body because essentially when you do it in the air, you're almost doing a You're kind of doing a split, <laughs> which I have not been able to do since I was a child or a teenager when I could do this kick. But so that one, that's probably pushing as far as any of them do. <laughs> um, walk with the bride and the dogs one to two, one to three times a week, which is tough this time of year because of the, you know, the light and the, also the cold. Um, but I'm able to work from home often. And so that, that that's something I find that I really enjoy. And also uh, walking over lunch breaks or to any like meeting or shoot that I have. Which is mostly that's really the majority of my exercise is is walking, and um, I really like that. Uh, I don't really like to run. <laughs> I'll run a little bit, but it's I don't. People love running. I don't understand that. But I love to walk, especially outside. You gotta hit the zone. When when you hit the zone, you're you you get it. That's Being never happened to me. Has it happened to you? Doesn't I know it, you did yeah. touch to three k. You have hit that 5K. zone. Five k. Yeah, five k. Yeah. Five k. Sorry. Oh. Fuck. Yeah. Actually, I, I can hit it. Uh, I can hit it on a good walk if I'm like really. I, so, I when I think of the zone, I think of this like amazing mental state. I know that there, like, it might not be like all the physical things that you would hear when I ran. Of course, like the endorphins and the like and all that stuff. Walking, maybe not so much. I mean, I definitely get the endorphins and I get the. I get this just like clarity of mind where I can just do some amazing thinking while um, I'm doing it. And uh, Ash even said uh, we were walking together for a while and it was just like horrendous. It was awful. Really? Uh, and, and, um, and I couldn't figure out why. I mean, I was internally like wondering why and uh she it, it ended up like we finally got in a we got in a fight before we went on one of these walks and it might have been about going on the walk but we finally went on the walk and we had gotten in a fight right beforehand and so we didn't talk the entire time and the walk was awesome <laughs> i know that sounds terrible <laughs> uh, and uh and so to the point that a after we had of course i mean we reconciled everything was fine uh, cause it was a stupid petty fight. But after the fact, Ash was like, you know, that walk, I couldn't believe how much smoother it was. It went so much faster. And I was like, yeah, that's because we both shut our mouths and just walked. And I realized that, that that's what the difference was. Like before we were just like, blah, 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 like talking the whole time. So we were always in the moment. 
of doing this horrible thing, you know, and um, even in, in, in the conversation was just, it was, there was no depth to the conversation because it was only there to try to distract us from this horrible thing that we were doing. Whereas when we took that out and we just focused, you get past that terribleness and then can get in this like just fucking great zone of like i can't describe the kind of thinking that i can do when i'm in there it's it's awesome wow that's interesting you say that because i both relate to the thinking part of it um but my experience of walking with like one of my goals is to walk with the bride and 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 the dogs and um that's usually she doesn't she just doesn't she doesn't like to talk about herself she likes when she gets home to be just home and done with the day and she doesn't like yeah. to go over it. It's hard for me to get her to talk about the day. Um, it's That's how I am. Yeah. Yeah. But I can do it on like, she'll tell me a little better on walks uh, and actually walks. But, but when we do sometimes, and it's been so cold, we've had to revert to this, go to like our, our gym, like on, on the campus where, um, well, anyway, she, she's very in shape and she likes, she does like to run even though like it aggravates certain physical maladies that she has. It's worth it to her. Um, so when we go there though, and she's, she, for a time she had a, a, a personal trainer. And so she has like all of these routines and things. And she has like physical therapy things that she does for anyway, we do it all together, but like, there's a lot of running. Like we, she starts out by running a mile and then, Anyway, so I do this stuff with her, but and t- I I it works best, especially with the running, if she talks to me the whole time, and she she does that on purpose to help distract me from the the challenge of of running, and actually it works really well uh, yeah. for us. It's uh, so it's interesting to me that for you would kind of be it's been kind of the opposite because for for some reason for us that actually works. Well, I think that's just a great illustration. Like you got to do what works best for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There, I, there are some people I, I've heard this talked about, like on the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, <laughs> they know what they're doing over their three hour shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Um, he, I'm pretty sure he, I know it's been discussed on his show, but I think it's because he totally believes in no music. Like you shouldn't even listen to music while you're exercising. Like you should totally be listening to your body. You should be listening. Like even from a safety standpoint, he believes in that just because so you can like be present in the moment to know if like your body's trying to tell you this isn't good for you. And if you, you know, so I know there are purists out there who think that that's the like number one way to exercise. And I can say that in the times that it did work, like I was able to hit at least what I would call the zone. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. And it was something that made it easier and something that you looked forward to the next, you might not have looked forward to the next time you exercised, but you looked forward to the next time you hit the zone. You, yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Um, oh, it does. Yeah. 
And I, d- I have never, I uh, I don't like to work out as such. Well, I kind of like crying in the garage because there's a fun to that, but it is the hardest thing I do. Um, I do listen to music there. I, li- I listen to the soundtrack to Bloodsporting Kickboxer <laughs> awesome. in a mix on my iPhone called Karate in the Garage. <laughs> that's, that's, you need to share that mix. Is it like some oh, yeah, I'd be happy to. I, it, uh, it's, um, anyway, but the, I usually do not because music has, is in some ways, and at certain times more than others, is like such a sacred thing thing to me i do not want to associate it with something that i'm doing as a chore yeah so i have never listened to music otherwise other than than what i just described and actually when i walk and stuff too i try not to listen to podcasts or anything like that if i can help it um i find if anything so i've tried like mindfulness type walks uh where and a lot of that's like counting your steps and really focusing on your surroundings and I, I, I'll find sometimes if my brain is distracted in a way I don't like, I'll try to focus on a phrase or something like that. Um, but yeah, I generally do. I like walking with the bride, but I actually do really value just walking by myself, especially outside. And I walk fast. It is my exercise, but it's not at all a chore. Right. Um, anyway, uh, so that's that. So then, um, then I've got nutrition, which is to continue to drink less <laughs> one to two days a week. And rarely, if ever, alone, um, which has been uh, that's become a lot that's, less. That is totally too. healthy, by the way. That last part is totally healthy. Rarely, if ever, alone. I, I mean, for years, I, I did, but I, I not and not really like in shame or anything. I just that was part of. I mean, I'm very often alone, so and I'm very comfortable uh, in my own company, and I would just drink for you know I don't know, yeah. fun. <laughs> but I never thought it as a bad thing. But it, I have noticed that in well, yeah, drinking too much is a bad thing. So in developing better habits, which I thankfully have, yeah, I don't think about it as much. The bride yeah. has to go out of town um, soon, and, and I'm thinking to myself, like, do I even do that one to two day thing? Or, you know, like, do I just not? Because I right. I'm in a habit of not. Anyway, so that's, I mean, it's not completely That's why something. I had pizza last night, because Ash volunteers at well, the hospital on Tuesdays. Oh, yeah. And, and it was like, I'm watching ghostbusters and i don't have anything else going on and i'm just like and i'm not fasting because i'm eating this fucking soup and i'm like i'm gonna have to eat this soup like five days in a row like this is bullshit like can i just have one day of not eating soup and then there's nothing else in the fucking house and i'm like well it's 4.99 large one topping pizza day at cousin Vinny's, so that's not that much money and that's you know and you'll convince yourself of anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 This well, is a slippery slope. That's but I the told first Ash, thing I'm thinking I'm like, of, too, is pizza. Like, I'm like, am I going to yeah. do pizza while she's gone? Yeah. <laughs> and shit. Well, I told her last night, I'm like, you know, I can't do it every Tuesday, but some Tuesdays, like, you got to be able to, like. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Some Tuesdays, you know, like, <laughs> when I'm there by myself and I'm just, like, Watching a movie, I might order a five dollar pizza and eat it all because that's what I did. That and that it was glorious. yeah, that that does sound kind of glorious. Welcome, Broadman. I'm trying to type on the What's thing. Up, and man. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. Sure. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
you're, uh, oh, you're still doing your goals. Let's go through <laughs> so your... many goals. Yeah, not yeah. actually not that many. Um, but to complete a red brick journey, which is some related to n- nutrition, which is something I can go through, like a kind of thing. My my job that gets me points off insurance is actually, I think, the way that I successfully scale. I did one last year for like scaling back drinking, and it actually kind of worked. Awesome. Um, eat an orange a day to help prevent prevent further kidney stones. So this sucks. I. Went to the urologist when we last yeah. spoke. Um, my the I'm I had. Sorry, I'm eating uh, on mic. That's terrible. I can't hear too much. I'm real sensitive. Okay, to that. that's so good. If anybody <laughs> would be bothered, it would be me. Oh <laughs> shit! I'm so sorry. I'm doing no, no, that. no. I, but I if I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put any more oranges in my oh, beer. I'm just going to drink the it, beer. It's good though because you're preventing kidney stones. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So, Do clementines count those little ones? I don't know. Actually, I need to ask the doctor if if oranges count because I stopped drinking. I like oranges juice and stuff but i mean it's a fuck ton of sugar and so I've, yeah i stopped drinking that drink like years and years and, and no years fiber ago. yeah and i need f- high fiber for my cholesterol which has been really successful in coming down through my diet anyway but so I, the i you know i got diagnosed with kidney stones which i knew last time we spoke but the and basically the bride looked them up and um she's like oh they're small you should be able to pass them without too much pain which to the urologist have to get surgery. <laughs> Are you serious? I have like, to get surgery. I have three of them. I have to get surgery. It's probably going to be April 1st. I'm actually not super scared about the surgery. Yeah. But they put in, they the way that they clear them out, they have to put in a stent because the your whatever tubes are, or will seal up like from the, they'll swell up and then you can't pee. So they have to put in a stent so that you can like in your kidneys or something. Keep that in for seven days. You're out for the surgery. And I got my butt cut off last year, which was or two years ago, which is horrific. And so I survived that. But since I've been having trouble, like in my for the last seven years or so, with like various things kind of surrounding my pelvic region and like having to pee constantly, I always thought I thought it was. I might have had a kid. I think I had a kidney stone before and passed it, but it was being misdiagnosed as prostatitis. Wow. But, and what I learned from when I got my the other surgery, like the hemorrhoidectomy, is like basically like all of that stuff down there is so close together that irritation yeah. in one area can just like fuck you up. And so I thought, you know, I'm not going to get hemorrhoids again ever because I don't have any hemorrhoidal tissue. So that part's nice. Yeah. But I could get kidney stones again if it's kind of especially heredity because I'm not dehydrated. I drink a fuck ton of liquid. Right. <laughs> um, Anyway, so that's where this orange a day. So this is the part, though, that terrifies me. And this is pretty commonplace. So I try to remind myself of that. But to get the stent taken out seven, five to seven days later, they don't put you out. They go in through your dick hole and take it out. <laughs> and I feel like the guy's telling me this. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sucks. For like 30 seconds. I'm like, huh? <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. No, no, I know. It's like, what can you do? But like. Uh, I have to laugh because exactly. otherwise I'm going to cry. Like that's. Yeah. Listen. <sighs> listen. You don't put things in your dick hole. You just don't do it. No. They're like they put a numbing agent on the thing. I'm like, 
What about like, uh, the it's, uh, and that's for them, so you don't get a boner. Like that's why they put the numbing agent on the thing. How can you possibly get a boner? Oh my god! Some I'm... people are that is a fetish. Some people are into that of oh. sticking things in pee holes. <laughs> Some people like giving a little extra juice. You like that? <laughs> like that? No, mm. I don't like that. I am terrified of this part of it. Um, but I understand it's very common and. Uh, there must be a reason they don't put you out. I don't know. I'm super scared about that part of it. Somebody chatting in. I know. <laughs> Wish it was five. Yeah. In a row. <laughs> in a row? <laughs> yes. Like. Yeah. He's like, they're going to go. And so we have a, a friend who we saw who's a a nurse, like in a reproductive health clinic. I think I'd rather and, have my butt cut off. Yeah. I mean, that was so awful. But. Oh, so it's been. Oh, uh, it. And now, okay, yeah. So, but the the thing so he said, I'm, I'm unlikely. actually like zoning out thinking about that. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, like that's what happened to me when he was telling me stuff. Like I, I felt like it was those scenes in movies where that just like you start to hear a high pitched <laughs> yeah, noise <laughs> or like music like just fades out, and he like yeah. like like just yeah. like fades out, like 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 I <laughs> like hello darkness, my old friend, and like. Dave's face, just just this. Yeah, exactly. As the camera like pans out, and the doctor's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, pretty much." Yeah. yeah. It, oh, yeah. It was such a bummer because I I thought you know what with what I went through like it can't anyway so. And I'm sitting there waiting for this appointment, and they have this like I think they had a tube of the stuff they use like on a counter far away. And I'm what like, what the oh. fuck? Like it's, was, like it's goddamn torture chamber or some fucking thing. Much. Like, yeah. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. And 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 I, you know, it should. Ugh. I don't know. And all that is better than the kidney stones. That's what's fucked up about it. Like, and they said so. He said like you're. So I was going in there though. Really hoping I didn't have to have that. This ex- pretty much an exam that involved this a similar procedure, because okay. um, it was mentioned in my CAT scan, and uh, oh, so that was like the thing I was living in fear of was like having that they would have to look at that. But but in the back of my mind, I was like, well, they're small, they're gonna pass. So I was devastated and so surprised when he told me that. There's like a forty percent chance of that is very unlikely. Also, there's three of them, so I mean, ugh. yeah. So um, are they gonna explode them and then you pee them out? Like no, out I think they they're gonna remove them. they're gonna I, remove them. They're that big. Oh shit! I, but they're not like as so I don't know. Like they were small enough. I don't think I'm gonna pee them out. No. Yeah. Uh, I think they're gonna. And I've heard things about lasers or whatever. Two of them are sort it's of like the on. Future. It's the yeah. future. <laughs> flag cars and shit yeah <laughs> two, two, <laughs> two of them are um <laughs> yeah hey jero <laughs> sorry we're gonna move on soon i'm but. just gonna say it like getting old fucking I right, so we it said really it so many times sucks. it sucks so much like you're never like 17 and like someday i'm gonna have to have something stuck in my pee hole no. and then ripped out of it it's never like oh, oh that's fucking. And it's, I feel like the indignities never end. I felt like all I went through with my ass a couple of years ago that would be it. Uh, but no, and we haven't. We haven't. We don't know nothing yet. That's nothing. That's just like normal body maintenance. 
of getting old. <laughs> like, oh, fuck, man. Anyway, so I, I'm sure it'll be a hole. lot. Like, they yeah. gotta stick shit in your pee hole. Like, no. I don't understand how the Christ they're gonna go in that way to remove something. Like, that's I mean, I know they do that. I know that's a thing. You know, when you get an STD test, that's how they do it. Like, they (gasps) have to swab the inside of your pee pee. No, I did not know that. Yeah. And we have this friend who's, I was mentioning, like a nurse in a reproductive health clinic, and she has a younger son and said he had that done, you know, and didn't even cry. Not what I described, but they, anyway. So I don't know. I'm hoping it'll be far better than I fear. And I spend most of my time just trying to distract myself. But the two, that since we last talked, two of them are like on around. I don't know. I try not to look at any of this, but they're down in my bladder. So I basically have to feel like I have to pee almost all the time, and it's pretty hard oh. to get to sleep. Um, and so that I got sucks. that's that's not been fun. It's best if I am walking <laughs> or doing something else. Um, but like especially if I'm just like editing, which is a lot of what I'm doing for my job right now. It's it's very unpleasant. So. So this is the nutrition thing. So I got to <laughs> eat an orange a day, hopefully to help prevent th- further kidney stones. I guess the acidic acid helps. It, so. it is, do, are, are those a big part of your, your fa- like, do you have a big family history of those? I know Moto had one. Um, and I know he's listening. So Moto, if you know of more than that, I'd like to know, but I, uh, I think I had one before, so that's yeah. not good. Like in the last like five years. I mean, like my brother-in-law's family, that they are like, they're like, oh, my back hurts. It's probably a kidney stone, and then like twelve hours later, they're peeing it out. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, when I had one before, it did the that whole back thing. I felt the back thing, and within a couple of days, it was gone. This has been yeah. like constant oh, six months process of. Ugh. And I had no idea it was a kidney stone. Like I thought it was digestive yeah. issues. And anyway, yeah. So Man, that, that sucks. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So I'll keep you posted. Uh, don't keep me posted. I no, don't want to know about things that. going in your pee hole. Yeah. I do cool. though. I do well, want to hear all about it. But I'm hoping to be able to say like it was because right now though, like I'm in such constant discomfort that I'm not ah, like I'll just do God it and get it over damn, with. It's but just like it's yeah. it's just. It's unfathomable. It just keeps keeps coming (laughs) into my head now. And then like makes me just want to like, ah, fuck. Right there it was again. Right. Oh, Jesus. The the bride is, um, she's going to try and have them give me a Valium. (laughs) So I'm hoping that works. They didn't volunteer that, but she can be rather persuasive. Just eat a big, eat eat a big piece of, no, because you might get I don't think I can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that's, going on <laughs> so rest get an average of seven hours of sleep that's kind of hard for me but sometimes i make it up in the weekend we'll see oh um, Mo- yeah moto says apple cider vinegar shot of apple cider vinegar a day oh all right yeah i could do that okay yeah <laughs> go bowling um mental then the last bit of the health and the other ones have a lot don't really have multiple parts like this and i'm not going to read the project ones um last bit the mental spiritual devote 10 minutes a day to training my mind via guided meditations um, I did, I downloaded Headspace, an app I heard about. Um, and that's, I've kind of, I've kind of liked that for meditation. I mean, I think one of the bigger parts of it is like there, that there is no right outcome. Your mind is going to wander, whatever. So, um, and actually I'm doing one right now on pain management. That's like a 30 day program, which is actually the longest of any I've done. So I don't, I don't do it without fail. 
I almost I we the bride and, and the bride almost went with me. We almost did the what is it? Transcendental meditation. Really? It's a much longer story for maybe another time, but ultimately decided no. <laughs> like the seven chakras kind of stuff? Like No, well like that thing David Lynch is such a big proponent of and um you know, I like that idea of this. I'm not sure. They they're very secretive about the actual practice um and then you're like given a mantra by someone and you have to go to three days of training and then after that i guess you're good but like that of, it, it costs a lot of money yeah <laughs> um and it just didn't i don't know she did a bit more research and we were just like ugh, this my, does not uh, feel right yeah my um brother-in-law did a vipassana have you heard of have you heard that at all i don't think so let me find he's a, every every problem this is no shit every problem like any a, anything that you talk to him about that you have a problem with he's just like you know what would really help with that you should take a, a vipassana course like he's just like always pushing the vipassana course to the point that like there are other family members that have taken it and they have said they have gotten something from it. Everyone yeah. said they took something from it when they did it. So oh. um, I'll, I'll get some more. Maybe we'll play in that for the next. Maybe we'll talk some meditation next up. Yeah, because I know that's part of your uh, goals to return to a meditation practice, right? Yeah, I would like to. I definitely yeah. would like to. Um, so uh, maybe we'll all we'll talk about that. But in the meantime, I'll see if I can talk to my brother-in-law about he will be more than happy to talk but he's <laughs> it, it's like a middle level management uh <laughs> marketing scheme like uh uh that like like he's gonna get a set of steak knives for recommending like getting enough referrals you know yeah. what i mean like he pushes it so much but i it all that taken away like he it, that's not actually what it is that's just what he pushes it so hard it sounds like what you're talking about actually is along the lines of something like that yeah uh, I, I i you know it's a non-profit like there's yeah if you look into it like it's it's very appealing in a lot of levels and i've heard nothing but like glowing feedback or or, or testimonials for it the transcendental yeah. meditation and i think a lot of the nonprofit work they're trying to get introduced in schools and stuff like that. And so maybe someday it'll be a more part of, yeah, you know, free part of life, but this was not free and it didn't feel right. So he didn't do it. But, um, so anyway, the, uh, the and you got it. Like he, next thing you know, you're in a cult. You gotta be careful. Yeah. With that kind of shit. Like, yeah, it does. Well, I just, I don't like the idea of paying someone for peace of mind. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I go to yeah. therapy, but when actually I've scaled back to once a month that I might, go you know just stop altogether unless i have a reason to stay but like i really see that as like i go there to hear myself talk to have it reflected yep. back to me I mean, i'm going there to use that as a tool not as a solution right um, anyway so um and that's covered by my insurance this is not you know <laughs> TM, <laughs> exactly not. uh so the last bit of mental spiritual is the i have this like running document and actually something i got from therapy having to do she said back to me about having to do with like being the only you know you can only control yourself and having to kind of let go of anything else really um and how to maybe be different in a different situation i think that comes in this harmony section for me but she's like yeah you are the variable 
And I was like, oh. So that's the title, this running document I have where I just put sort of imp- inspirational quotes or ideas um, uh, in one place. So I've been gathering those a lot, but I don't always actually put them. Sometimes they're just like screen grabs on my phone or they're stuck in a book. Yeah. And so and the, I added a link here to that from this like private.net page that I can. So when I see it on my homepage, maybe I can link to there. Um. So then the other of the two overarching goals is harmony, to have amicable, drama-free relationships with myself, my friends, my family, and coworkers. Um, there's a challenge assignment here. <laughs> so, And that's actually my therapeutic sort of document. They have to keep documents for all these things. So she has interventions, individual therapy, challenge assignments, reframing interpersonal reactions. So one of the challenge assignments that I had or gave myself in my day job there's this culture where one needs to be comfortable with ambiguity which does not suit me at all (laughs) i i I, I actually didn't know that right away i didn't know that for a few years (laughs) but i do need to find a way of working harmoniously in that environment so sort of how can i be the same in a different environment and i i started to think about the uh, that harmony thing of like so if they're at this like my co-workers at the organization or whatever at this level I, i just need to rise or lower to meet them to, to get along, you know? So I just need to change myself, tune it accordingly. So I kind of think about it in that almost visual way. It doesn't mean it's easier, but I have gotten a lot better at it than I, I was, say, six months ago to achieve a balance of responsibility between me and them. There's this phrase of don't work harder than your client <laughs> that I got from therapy that the bride also echoed, where if you're trying to help somebody or, like, you know, whether it be at work or wherever, like... You shouldn't be doing everything, like enabling bad behavior or whatever. You kind of. Right. So that was, I had something I had to learn. And the last one there is to learn how to fight better. Uh, I have a problem of uh, an apology is not an apology if it is ultimately followed by a defensive statement. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Which is something I'm terrible about. Um, I'm not always in the moment. But like if the argument, especially this, especially with the bride, like doesn't necessarily go away. Like if there's still that tension. I'll be frustrated that there's tension and then eventually just like kind of going back on the apology ultimately. Like I don't see yeah. it that way, but it's yeah. been shown to me time and again that that's the result. Um, so I found this thing. So I have this, uh, I used to do it in my bullet journals, a do it better, <laughs> get it together, do it better. Was, was a mantra around the house, especially when we first moved here, I was trying to get a job and was just a nightmare all the time. Um, just, but I had like I had this, uh, something happen at work where I came back from this one meeting, and I basically put like, "Ugh, you know, I should have done this. So and so said this. I did this. I wish I had done this. Like this would have been the right thing to do." Right. And I got this idea that I could just reintroduce that "do it better" to my daily journal to, to for any kind of misstep that I can identify and know what I ought wish I had done. So that's the goal there. And finally, and this one's the shortest one, is simply happiness, um, which I broke down into fulfillment, doing things I enjoy and trying new things. Under fulfillment, I just put execute in a full and complete way my personal creative projects on an ongoing basis. Do things I enjoy. I put devote time to creative projects, letting inspiration be my guide, and reserving judgment, particularly any stemming from what I think will be outside validation or disapproval. Follow my whimsy. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, that's a that's a real that's a that's a, a kind of colossal 
adjustment for me, honestly. <laughs> but I've been tr- it's been going okay so far. Um, and then finally, don't prescribe which day will be your quote just watch something night. I last year especially, I I would always push myself to put at least one hour work project work in at the end of a day, uh, in the hopes that I would get on a roll. And then Saturdays were the the day or night where I just would like watch a movie late at night or something. And so. Anyway, that that's all I did end up doing a tasks and projects sub list below that, which is pretty minimal, but I just just a place for me to put some stuff. One of which is raise our LWSD subscription number to on YouTube to 101. <laughs> I love that. I'm not gonna read any other ones though. So that's it. I, I I appreciated you sharing so completely and transparently before. And now maybe we can every once in a while check in on some action items. For me, the action items would be those things like do cry yeah. in the garage, fifteen minute interval trainings once two days a week. Absolutely, uh, and, and it will honestly help me be accountable for mine as well. So, and I think hopefully I like it can that. just be celebrating the things you have done. And like you, you know, you yeah. have. A, I looked at your goals and like there are a lot of these. And I know some of them you're working on because you've talked about it. And yeah. um, you can't be like doing everything all the time, but any sure. all all forward motion counts. I like to yeah think, and so. I just the one just the one of yours that. that I love this like twenty six episodes we we're gonna do twenty six episodes this year is that what, what our average has been Yeah yeah I broke it down and I and I really? was like I know wow. that's just like what we're doing but I, I was like well we should let's try to stay at that It does kind of work out a year That's crazy Yeah Um I knew we were kind of on a schedule where we basically get like December and July off. Um, I like, and, and in between that, we were getting approximately 10 episodes, um, yeah. in between those two times. So to know that it's a little more than that, that's great. Yeah. I think, or it might be like 25, my math could be faulty, but no, no <laughs> I mean, if you figure cool. it's 52 weeks in a year, then and we do it every other week. And we had less than, less than 30 episodes of Palmer's picks. Right. So yeah, 27, that- I, uh, 27 plus the. The wrap up like show yeah. is what I re- confirmed recently. So, um, I mean, that's that's great. I mean, yeah. And and to know that we're on coming up on year three that we've been yeah. or year, well, is that right? This we summer started in will 2015. be three. 16, I think. Sixteen, actually. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. sixteen. That's but right. This summer it would be that. Yeah, yeah, it would be three years. Jesus. So, um, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, that I, I made a point. Those are amazing goals, and and Thanks. what a great way to like bring them, bring that. It's like a new smoking stats almost, but now yeah. that both of us can share them, which is awesome. So yeah, uh, I definitely think of it as sharing like our triumph, sharing the successes, and then you know, in, yeah. in inadvertently we'll be reminded of like ah, I kind of want to get back to that. Um, yeah, I did this. Um, it was like a, it was like a on. I got a call. It was another thing through work. And actually, I kind of messed it up, so I'm not getting it anymore. But it was once a month. This lady would call me and basically ask me about the goal I stated last time. And I found that it would cause me to take just the smallest action, just so I would have something I could tell her. Right. <laughs> like, And that was enough, though, to actually propel me forward in these ways. And so I figure this can be that uh, for us both, hopefully. There's I have I can totally relate because something that I'm going to yeah. talk about later yes, tonight yeah. is is literally <laughs> literally that like literally that for me. So um no, great goals. I'm really looking forward to how the rest of the year is going to shape up now that uh we both kind of have a rudders. 
Um, and that and that's really how rudders, I think of them yeah. is like rudders to just steer us what we want to. They're not what we. They're not actually what we want. They're they're to get us to what we want. So, yeah, yeah, or help us uh, figure out what what we yeah. want more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, how about we take a little pee break? Certainly, I have and to then uh, every moment. So yeah, uh, <laughs> this let's has been a great a, distraction. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Let's take a pee break, and then let's uh, when we come back. You want to do? Let me look at the show notes. We don't certainly you, have to do all these things. They were just like well, things. Well, let's let's because we have two movies we want to try to touch base yeah. on, and one of those is wrapped up in a King Corner yes. slash a long walk short drink remembers, plus possibly a new segment, plus <laughs> all those things. Oh yeah. Let's turn this into a long walk short drink remembers when we come back of let's just do it, like yeah. all the stuff. And but we can work in at least part of one of the things on the list. Uh, I think uh, yeah maybe the uh, remembrance yeah <laughs> basically this one yeah. photo it's I don't have much to say about it but yeah so all right so let's uh, let's take a piss break uh, we have three watchers right now I think I know who you all are don't fucking go anywhere because <laughs> we'll be right fucking back to start the long walk short drink remember segment uh, yeah, no really looking to forward to it yeah but uh, right now we have to pee so let's pee <laughs> okay be right back. and let me have a Christmas what? she's been hoarding those that's why That's why there is beer still because she doesn't like beer but she does like that she thinks she does <laughs> so, yeah she's got a few of them and I have this weird errant eyebrow I'm like if I let you pull this out can I have one of those <laughs> <laughs> she went for it and I'm like that's an implied yes <laughs> okay All right. you guys cheers, got a bottle everyone. age the rest of them yeah cheers buddy Bottle age the rest of those until the following Christmas, and they will be mind-blowingly good. Because this year's Christmas ale was fantastic. Like, it was pretty good, yeah. I didn't have very much of it. That is one. <laughs> that is one of those annual beers that you. I can definitely taste the difference from year to year, and there are good years and bad years. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I love their blackout stout. I have to be real careful with that. That's like a four packer. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one that Moto had years back that made him kick that painting at music. <laughs> oh fuck out! <laughs> God, that stuff is tasty. <laughs> I remember uh, Roe did a show in. Um, it was in. What town was that? Creston, maybe. Oh yeah, his CD release for. Yeah, yeah, I and, remember that. It was like, so that's a, a little small town that at the time, the craft beer scene was not huge. And so for some reason, that bar had some Christmas ale because that was in mm. February, right? March, and yeah. March. Yeah. Oh, March even. So they had leftover Christmas ale still on draft that they were trying to get rid of, you could get uh, one of those giant mugs, the giant huge steins that we used to get at um, 
at the karaoke place at the Grant, you could get one of those of Christmas ale for three bucks. It was because they were just trying to get rid of the. And I remember drinking like, I don't know, two or three of those. And I was, (laughs) I was just fucking gone at that. Oh man, it was. Yeah. That was a cool, that was a cool night because Roe played like his, his, uh, and so God scratched out the truth album with like some of the people that played on it. Uh, I want to say there was a paradigm set, paradigm in the Yoyo Crusade. Maybe, Ro, if you're if you're so. listening, I think to, there was actually. Yeah, March twentieth. Oh, look at him. Yes, yeah, sir. 20th. Oh, he was gone last time. I'm trying to get taken care of now. These listening, I want to uh, put the paradigm album on Dreaming Out Loud. Would you be into that, Ro? <laughs> you know, put it up for free. Add some bonus tracks and shit. Um. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, and I, I actually played a show, too. It was the first time uh, the bride uh, saw me perform live. I don't remember playing all that well, and I was just, like, you know, solo. So I think it was me, then Paradigm, and then, then Rose CD release. And That's so... I remember that. that place. He yeah, did, like, jam he the mice fa- yeah. space and... Yep. Oh, yeah, it's a good That's night. Great you probably remember it. Not quite clearly from what you described. I, I mean, I remember drinking the beer. I remember the music. I remember it feeling like a high school reunion. Uh, we're yeah. not just we're like, oh, look, he says sure. <gasps> yes. Uh, I'll obviously keep you in the loop on that, sir. Uh, yeah. To make sure it's to your liking, but. Um. So yeah. So that's a great way to start off the long walk, short drink remembers. A, 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 a two-hour discussion we're gonna have on long walk, short drink remembers. I'm gonna call off work tomorrow. I can already feel it. Like it's just gonna happen. So. Uh. Fuck. 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 This is why I should be fasting. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyways. So. Um. Long Walk Short Drink remembers as kind of a series yeah. of shows. Like, we're often talking about, you know, we're talking about our present, but we often talk about the things that we experienced together in the past, and we talk a ton about movies and media and stuff. Um, oh, and speaking of the past, just be, uh, someone passed away that it was relevant in my past and some yes. of the others. Yeah. Uh, so Luke Perry died this week of 90210 um, fame and notoriety and just seemed to be like a pretty nice dude from all accounts um passed away at 52 from uh, i'm not and sure out of the it. blue and they were like weren't they just about to like announce a reunion a 90210 reunion oh, show i don't know i can see that yeah the, i think they were in uh the bride and i um she convinced me to watch riverdale that archie show yeah yeah <laughs> on uh the cw i'm not sure why she watched it but i watched it because she's like luke perry's on it i'm like what <laughs> She sent me like a screen grab. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, he's great. I've always liked him. When I was re- uh, really young, um, I would get a, people were always telling me I look like this person or that person. Any kind of generic, sort of thin guy with dark hair, <laughs> white yeah. guy. You yeah, did look fucking like Luke Perry. I don't give a shit. You like that's you're uh, trying. I probably and I was definitely trying yeah. to at times. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, he was just the coolest, and uh, so. It's unfortunate that he passed away. Um, he's from Mansfield, Ohio, actually. Oh, uh, I did not know that too. Yeah, Shit. lifelong lifelong Browns fan. Moto just chimed in. Um, <clears throat> I happen to see. So I'll share my screen here. I happen to see. This is not how I found out. Actually, I found out. I was peeing one of the billions of times I do a day, 
and I got a Facebook messenger, which is like kind of, I really, I'm not really on Facebook, but I have it so that Jackson can kind of text me and he doesn't very often, but he chimed in just Luke Perry exclamation point. I'm like, I wonder what that's about. Flush the toilet, step out of the bathroom. The bride is there. She goes, Luke, she's like, I have some really bad news. Luke Perry died. <laughs> and I was like, wow, it's crazy. The Jackson just told me that. Um, okay. So, but then I did see it later that day, this post from, oh, what? Oh, that's go. me. Hey. I know. Sorry. I got, I'm trying to think what window I had that in. Oh, there it is. Okay. From the one, the only JCVD official. <laughs> it says, sorry to hear Luke Perry pass away. My deepest condolences to his family, friends, and loved ones. <laughs> it's like a picture of them. Oh, that's so 90s. That picture is 90s. so 90s. Yeah. He's looking a little heavy there. You Look at the acid wash jeans and then like. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that is. The anyway. Planet Hollywood a, police zip yeah, up. Planet Hollywood. Yeah. Holding somebody's hand. I'm guessing it was like that. His in-between wife. Not Gladys. But anyways, that's. It's That's a bummer. <laughs> he married Gladys Portuguese twice, and he was with this woman, Darcy something, in between, who got him hooked on drugs and stuff. <laughs> got it. Uh, but anyway, uh, by all good. accounts, sorry, let me get back to my... Luke Perry was a... <laughs> was a was a good dude i like i mean, I loved him on 902 no i i um he was fantastic in buffy the vampire slayer the movie as a character called pike um my sister loves that that movie and so when she texted me later in the day i sent back to her because i i mean i knew she i was like r.i.p pike because to her that's who that is and he was in this movie called eight seconds which is a uh, the biography of lane frost the famous bull rider and it was directed by um, John Avelson, who directed The Karate Kid and Rocky. Yeah. Um, great, great movie. Like, a really great movie. Um, when J- Jacko was like, you should, you know, watch all the 90210 episodes in tribute. I was like, well, maybe I'll just watch eight seconds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah. So, Long Walk Drink, Short Drink, briefly uh, remembers Luke Perry. Uh, yeah. And uh, so on, so on to happier things now. So, but generally we we remember movies, so like or TV series, I guess. So, but today that we're recognizing. A, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, the movies that had it, like so, like the first one was the My Pet Monster movie and uh, Monster Squad, because that like yeah, the, yes, we both that was both inf- separate of each other. The mo- those movies were influential to us. And the, and the My Pet Monster one was really what inspired this week because we could not believe that somebody else knew the My Pet, the terrible direct-to-video My Pet Monster that was just there to sell My Pet Monster toys. Uh, we both knew that movie and had watched it regularly growing up. So, um, but... I think you were segueing to the movies we're talking about tonight are the reason it's a long walk, short drink remembers was because, so there was a, about a, a my mom was a single mom for a bit during my childhood. Um, my dad came back into the picture later on uh, when I was like turning 13 uh, but during that time, we lived in like the villas in Ritman, which is 
uh, like government assisted housing, and we had two actual legitimate movies, not recorded off the TV movies, and they were Ghostbusters and Stand by Me. And it just so happened that Dave was at uh, Different Seasons, which is the book that contains the body, which is the short story uh, that Stand different by seasons, Me. The short uh, different story seasons, collections yeah. that Palmer got me as a. I think a birthday gift, right? Yeah, yeah I and think Shawshank so. uh, Redemption is in here, and we we talked about that recently. Yeah, um, but yeah. So uh, it, that's a fantastic collection of short stories. Three of the four, it's four novellas. Three of the four novellas have been turned into films, and the fourth one is I consider to be unfilmable. It can't be turned into a movie. Um, However, uh, so we just thought this, and I just got that Ghostbusters pinball machine, and that made me really think about the movie and like how much I don't consider myself to be like a Ghostbusters super fan. And I think part of that is because I watched it so, like, there were summers and days after school and what, Friday night bowling league while my mom was at a bowling league, then I'm by myself on a Friday night where like, there was literally nothing else on that I would just be like, oh, I guess I'll watch Ghostbusters again. <laughs> and like for the 150th time. So I don't consider myself a huge Ghostbusters fan. I really enjoy the movie. It is just because I've just watched it so much because that's all I had. Uh, so that's what tonight is. We're going to talk about Stand By Me and um, Ghostbusters, which... Stand by me was a great revisit. Uh, Ash, just no spoilers, but Ash has said multiple times since we watched it. She's like, I can't believe how great of a movie that was. Like, oh, that's great. H had she not seen it, or she had she just... never seen it? And oh, cool. uh, and I have been uh, that is in a regular rotation of movies that I knew she would love if she would just watch them. But when she was like, well, what's it about? It's about four kids who go on a journey to see a dead body. I don't want to watch that, you know, like, because that's all she hear, you know. And yeah. And uh, I think she'd learn really... to trust you by now. But <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and 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 that is I mean, that's like an elevator pitch. And that's not really it, it really doesn't do any justice at all. Um, so but now that she finally watched it, she just was. Like she even said tonight, she's like, I was just thinking again today how much I really enjoyed that movie and how I just thought it was a, just a perfect movie. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. And <laughs> that's really and great. Then that made me really just be more reflective on it. And uh, it really is, I, in my opinion, I really think it is just it, it, it up there with like, you know how they say like Back to the Future is like the considered like the perfect script and um there's another one that i hear oh, i hadn't heard that no oh, you hadn't heard I that know shawshank was considered and shawshank <laughs> is another one but back and... to the future is like there i got no problem with back to the future yeah and, and <laughs> nobody does um, <laughs> and i really feel like this is too i um i i wanted to i wanted i was really worried that my adult lens was gonna just ruin because Stand by me really does have a soft spot because it, it does it pinged for me when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's about kids. So yeah. and it's about kids. It's a kid adventure movie. Mm -hmm. It's like which is one of my favorite genres. So, uh, but let's 
I guess let, let's start with a king corner and talk about like because you got through the did oh, you get yeah. through the novella? I right? sure did. Yeah, yeah. My uh, first what, Frank Muller audiobook too. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. what do you think of that? Let, let, um, let me hear about that first because that's sure, more. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know um, if it necessarily if he necessarily lived up to all that you've told me about just on his own. Like it's for me, it's not like as good as the Stephen Weber or yeah. I, I liked a lot of you know I. I don't think I would have known. I don't think I would have told you after I heard it. Like this guy is the best guy. He read Shawshank yeah. and this for me now. But I certainly he was certainly, you know, good. It has a weird quality about the sound, like super, like super compressed that I was a little yeah. like distracted by. But but definitely good. Like I I definitely enjoyed it. Um, his reading of it. I mean, uh. Yeah, and it's like I know Stand by Me is. I think part of what that movie is known for is that uh, Richard Dreyfuss sort of voiceover. Um, but obviously, yeah. Once you've heard Frank Muller read it, you don't. Richard Dreyfuss sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I, I I definitely dug it. Um, I found that the parts of it that I enjoyed most were. I had no idea it was a, written in retrospect by a writer. So the things yeah. though that that I sort of earmarked in the in the novella had to do with writing, I think. And for me as yeah. like a creative person, I in even having heard Stephen King write about writing like on writing that magnificent book. I don't know, he hasn't talked about it quite as vul- as vulnerably as he did through this character. Yeah. Um and so I mark some of these, uh, and arguably a lot of his characters to the point that some people kind of complain about it, but oh, he stands yeah. by the like, write what you know, a yeah. lot of his characters are writers like, and you'll, you'll notice that as you progress through. Yeah. I don't think I've encountered collection. that very much yet. I, I think I knew that, yeah. um, there's been maybe a little bit, not, but not much. And so maybe perhaps that it's the first time you're still early you're still early yeah. in his career but like his career yeah. it, it, it i've been gets going to the, in order for listeners yeah just joining us like of stephen king's career so i'm only up to like the mid 80s with his um work. but i feel like that 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 the concept of being a writer is somehow tied a lot in dis, his stories and his books to the point that a lot of people kind of complain about it uh, yeah that, that it's kind of like a go-to for him uh, but he always see, stands by the like, write what you know. And I know I'm a writer. I've always been like, and yeah. in honor, if you, if you go through on writing, you find out he literally has always been a writer. He yeah. started writing when he was a kid um, and, and found, I, I love the, in on writing when he talks about how his first sub- rejection, he like stuck it on a nail on his wall yeah, and like yeah. by the time he graduated high school the nail was full like it was of of rejection letters yeah, uh but yeah. by the time he graduated high school he got his first like paid submission like somebody bought something that he wrote and it took all of those rejections to get to that point yeah um, and that the the character of uh what is his name gordon uh Gordon Lachance, Gordy Lachance, or yeah, 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 definitely seems to have. He, he kind of comments on his writing style developing and shares some of his early short stories in yeah within the 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 text and stuff. The novella, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it um, 
I I wasn't prepared for that part of it. I I knew the sort of kid yeah. going to see a dead body thing and the fact that it would be this kid adventure. That that I was prepared for, but I didn't I wasn't prepared for this other thing. And I'm you know I'm going to read too much, but some of this I really like and it 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 actually begins with the words the most important things are the hardest to say. They're the things you get ashamed of because words diminish them. Words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in your head to no more than living size when they're brought out. But it's more than that, isn't it? The most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried, like landmarks to a treasure your enemies would love to steal away. And you may make re- revelations that cost you dearly only to have people look you look at you in a funny way, not understanding what you said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried while you were saying it. That's the worst, I think. When the secret stays locked within, not for want of a teller, but for want of an understanding ear. <laughs> so, like, as a creative Shit. person, like, as a way to set up the the thing I, I'm in, but, like, as also as a creative person, that idea of, like, putting your heart into something that people might not hear, that, that hit a little too close to home to us. Like, okay, yeah. Gordy, where are you going? <laughs> 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 And that's like the beginning of um, where he kind of takes you, on, you know, b- back in time to tell you about this. Uh, what, it's the season of summer, right? Like Memorial Day, I think. Um, yeah. Oh, and this. Yeah. So there was the one part where he does and like out of nowhere and it's in a different font in the book, like an aerial font, like a non a sans serif uh-huh. font. But I was listening to the audio book and I think I'd switched days right before this started so suddenly, it's they're kind of numbered like chapters, but not really. Seven starts something called Stud City by Gordon LeChance, originally published in Greenspun Quarterly, issue 45, fall 1970, used with permission. So that probably would have been, he doesn't say it, but that could have been the first thing that he got, you know, like published someplace, you know. Um, but it's this like tale within a tale that I was like, am I, did I fuck up and listen and skip ahead to like the next short story or something in this collection? Cause it was talking about different characters and it was like this overblown, you know, guy that just had s- sex with a young girl and, <laughs> and like he was, he took her virginity or whatever. I'm like, what, what's happening here? <laughs> so, it's very meta. I remember yeah. that novella being like very meta and, <laughs> Isn't there yeah. one too where he talks about like it's like a cinder block house and his brother? I don't. I forget. Uh, like, that that is uh, the one I think because uh, the other one is the pie eating contest, which makes it into the movie. Which makes it to the movie, which yeah. I is. I remember being like it, I, a very smart choice. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was I, cool. I <laughs> lo- <laughs> love that lard ass. But uh, so after, like he then he he reads the like so the short story is just like all in there like short story within a short story and then he goes pretty fucking melodramatic right <laughs> it's like the world's seen one or better two better stories i know that and, and then he goes on but then he says this thing like on the next page and he's like no nah, it's not a very good story its author was too busy listening to other voices to listen as closely as he should have to the one coming from inside but it was the first time i had ever really use the places I knew and the things I felt in a piece of fiction. And there was a kind of dreadful exhilaration in seeing things that had troubled me for years come out in a new form, a form over which I had imposed control. Um, so all of this, he's kind of framing 
his life now as a writer and now he's starting to introduce the idea of how like his his life that that's the first time he was able to kind of express artfully things that he really felt in an original way as opposed i remember quentin tarantino talking about true romance like in the commentary for true romance he was saying how he'd written a bunch of scripts but this was the first one that he finished that wasn't just an exercise like he had something he was trying to say and he, he he saw himself in it and it was like a sort of successful translation of like a feeling to a, you know uh, some sort of finished form so i thought that was really interesting after especially coming out of the thing where he was really confused me <laughs> about like yeah. what the fuck happened and <laughs> and that that story does not feel even even when i realized it was a short story that the character wrote i'm like Oh, okay. Anyway, but when he started to get at that, and especially in context with this idea of these things that are like so close to your secret heart, as he says, I don't know. That was all like really ringing true for me. Um, uh, and then he says, sorry, I have just a couple of these and they're all kind of the same thing. But sure. uh, this one, he says uh, a little further on. So all this is interspersed in the kid drama and the kid adventure that we'll we'll mostly spend our time talking about. But here he says later, and this is later, much later in the story, he interjects to say, nowadays writing is my work and the, the pleasure has diminished a little and more and more often that guilty masturbatory pleasure has become associated in my head with the cold clinical images of artificial insemination. I come according to the rules and regs laid down by my publishing contract. And although no one is ever going to call me the Thomas Wolf of my generation, I rarely feel like a cheat. I get it off as hard as I can every fucking time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but he's basically saying like, so, so we'll talk later about the pie eating contest and stuff. So then he was just like, these stories were just coming to him effortlessly and he was along for the ride. And now he, he's at a point writing down these adventures he had as a kid where he's a little bit more jaded and cynical about life and writing and this like thing that brought him you know such sort of you know pleasure and escape and probably confidence and such um it's okay uh two more and then that will be wrapped up and this one he writes, and this is again much later on. He says, the only reason anyone writes stories is so they can understand the past and get ready for some future mortality. That's why all the verbs in stories have ED endings. Keith, my good man, even the ones that I sell millions of paperbacks, the only two useful art forms are religion and stories. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, then this very last one. Uh, um... This is actually within the closer true, blah, 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 even if I'd said the right thing to say. He says, even if I, sorry, fuck. Even if I had known the right thing to say, I probably couldn't have said it. Speech destroys the functions of love, I think. That's a hell of a thing for a writer to say, I guess, but I believe it to be true. If you speak to tell a deer you mean it no harm, it glides away with a single flip of its tail. The word is the harm. Love isn't what these asshole poets like McEwen want you to think it is. Love has teeth. They bite. and The wounds never close. No word or combination of words can close those love bites. It's the other way around. That's the joke. If the, those wounds dry up and the words die with them, take it from me. I've made my life from the words, and I know that is so. So wow. 
all of that stuff that I marked down is not about the story, but about the storyteller. And, and I have to admit, like, um, as I, as I read that all now, I realize that, uh, the cabin kids that we talk about, you know, of you, which you and I are a part of a group like this, we weren't, we didn't know each other since we were so young. Um, right. Like Jacko and I did, um, and kind of like Jacko knew crams and it sort of grew out, you know, from there. Um, but I definitely found like when I made my last album was really like thinking a lot about the friends that I had when I was in my late teens and that, that I still think so fondly of as my dearest friends, even if I don't see them, but like the impact that they had and all that. Um, I don't know. I could very much relate to like, cause he talks about in the story, like he hadn't even really thought about these people in a long yeah. time. And, and suddenly he did, and it all kind of came flooding back. So I guess I related an awful lot to that part. Um, I never went to go see a dead body and I didn't have such a wide circle of friends at that age, but I did when you and I were first becoming friends and those, those friendships are still the ones that sort of carry me yeah. through life and that I, I work, you know, not as well hard as I could, but at, but I work to maintain because they're the movie ends with him at the keyboard like there's not much of the writer but the movie ends with uh something that does appear somewhere in the book where he's like i never had friends i never made any more friends like i did when i was 12 it's like jesus does anybody (laughs) yeah so there you go anyway that's all kind of like talking about the framework of the movie i guess so maybe it is a good way to begin but those are the things that stuck out to me most about the about the story yeah, uh, no. The short story, where's actually and the I, framing device of it. And I remember the writing be like it really does kind of take a bigger uh, role than it does in the in the movie. Yeah, right? you don't see much of that. Uh, right, maybe a little at the beginning. I'm not even sure. I don't remember. Uh, well, the, he must, at right? the beginning, he's like sitting in his car and he has like the news clippings where he yeah. sees like the the yeah. that uh, Chris had been stabbed, and yeah. killed. Um, which they make into an attorney in the movie as opposed to just like a grad student. Yeah. Um, All the more poignant, I guess. Of course. And uh, I I don't know. I I don't remember that really. That hit me really hard watching it now as an adult, like all of that part. Um, And knowing that the whole thing was lost on me as a kid. I knew like Chris was the, I knew his dad like looked at his friends as like a thief and two Phoebes, you know? And, uh, and I knew that Chris was like the kind the kid that's like kind of from the wrong side of the tracks and that he had no hope as a future, but I didn't pick up on the, that he decided to follow Gordy you know, through the AP classes. And it wasn't until I listened to the body that I'm like, Oh wow. That's like a whole part of it. That makes sense now what's going on. Cause I remember, of course I remember the, the monologue, like the, the voiceover at the end where he's like, Chris, you know, tried to break up a fight and was stabbed to death. Spoiler alert. They do say that in the monologue. I couldn't remember that. And, uh, yeah. At the okay. end, like in the, in the voiceover at yes, the end yes, okay. as Richard yeah. Dreyfus, uh, he yeah. kind of gives like a, as the kids are walking off, they're at the four-way intersection, like they all walk in a different direction yeah. at the four-way yeah. intersection, which is uh, a really uh, it, it's so cliche. Uh, it's a little cliche. Yeah. There's a lot of that, I, I think. In 
And I think I, that's I, a recurring thing with these long walk, short drink remembers where you're, but so then you're like, so is it cliche only because everything since then has like mimicked that or is, was it case, cliche I then, think you know, that is sort of true. Like I, I think this movie had a pretty big impact and yeah, uh, while that I'm sure had, you know, he's not the first person to s- tell a childhood story. Sure. This one definitely resonated I never, of course, so, so we mentioned, but like I had, like Ash, I had never seen it. I was not familiar with it. I've, I was new of it in the cultural landscape, but I, I didn't see yeah. it until I was an adult. So I think certain things about it were different for me. Like they yeah. maybe didn't work quite as well because of it. But also I, I think I recognize a lot of the cultural impact in, in it in, in ways that I didn't expect. Like I kept thinking of, oh, this is this feels like the wonder years to me with the voiceover yeah and, and i was like yep. I, and i looked at the timing of it it's like 1986 and wonder years di- you know came on the scene at, or like two years later just yep. enough time for them to choose like another actor of that generation daniel stern to like voice and i was like yep. oh of course um that chopper stick balls so that's what i like <laughs> i love that voiceover yeah. like where he yeah. in it's and, got like, the, the same sort of meter to it and it reminded yeah. me of like uh, well i didn't i didn't i obviously wasn't around for this but like i i understand the american graffiti was sort of the predecessor in some way similar way to like happy days which yeah. was more of a you know stage sitcom but it seemed a little bit of like that nostalgia thing uh of I don't. I don't think that's like what Rob Reiner was going for necessarily. The whole Happy Days, um, uh, American Graffiti, uh, sure relationship. But I do think that kind of happened with uh, Wonder Years, which was something that I w- that I did watch. And I I do remember a few years ago, and I think I said at some point early in the podcast that I realized that we had hit this critical mass with '80s sort of nostalgia when I heard someone say like at that at that time basically like what you're watching on the wonder years at the time it came out had the same relationship in years of time distance between like the sixties and the eighties as the eighties had to like the decade we were in now. Like that's the cycle of yeah. nostalgia. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. Anyway, but so I, I recognized those, which if you think things. about it going through the eighties, like I feel like there was a, a large prevalence of like, 50s and 60s yes. references yes. right yeah and now we're living in an era where we feel like we're inundated with like 80s references where yes. we're just like oh get the fuck over the 80s already <laughs> you know what i mean but it's yeah. like yeah i'm happy I, about it actually yeah <laughs> but, well but no i, I mean me. yeah but it is the prevalent sort of yeah. callback right now yeah yeah so that makes total sense to me um yeah i i just forgot how good how watchable this movie was um, yes, that's a great word. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 I think that, and I think that that's a testament to you know, as a ten-year-old, uh, an eight to ten-year-old, thinking who would just go back to this repeatedly over the course of a decade, uh, hundreds of times, and rewatch it. You know, um, it is just a watchable movie, which I think is a great segue to uh i got just just to throw this in here yeah. like so i um got up had a package ash and i had ordered a bunch of stuff online and we're getting a ton of packages over the last couple weeks 
and uh this happened to be there and i'm like well and i'm really anal because we don't i love our neighborhood but it's just not the best neighborhood and uh so i'm always and we've never had knock on wood we've never had a problem packages um so i'm and but i am really anal about tracking them and making sure that we're if if one's sitting on our porch that we get it as soon as possible just don't leave it out there as long as possible right yeah and so i this i came home and this package was sitting on the table and i'm like well that's weird because there's nothing due to come in today and this was it it was me tank tank i heard me knocking <laughs> i know he's over your shoulder it's yeah cute. i think ash yeah. is in the bathroom oh, yeah, and he's like hey bathroom. come on <laughs> yeah i'm Get glad she buddy. shut the door at least at least because otherwise she would have been broadcast at the internet there but this package was sitting there <laughs> mash wednesday ladies and gentlemen <laughs> make sure you're decent before you open the door babe uh um or not no, just kidding <laughs> yeah or not or not dave says doesn't matter <laughs> depends on how uh, you're feeling and so this package showed up and it was a VHS copy of Stand By Me, which I have I uh have on order. I'm waiting for it to get in. I have the VHS copy finally of Ghostbusters ordered. So awesome. I will again the only two VHS movies that I own will be Stand By Me and Ghostbusters. Oh, uh so delights me. Uh, which is only fitting, right? Um yeah. so but I've got this copy of Stand By Me. And I had to call Dave because I'm like, you're the only person I would think that would send me this. And he's like, yeah, I sent it to you. <laughs> but this right here blew my mind. So I went to pull the VHS out and look, there's nothing under yeah, I'm like, I'm like, where, how do you get the movie out? You're literally supposed to open. This is like, yes. this is so you yes. open the side and then pull it out from the side and this is what this is we didn't have the box the box got trashed almost instantly <laughs> so for for literally 20 years all we had was this vhs and this was from a time when they still put the spine stickers on and a top sticker like eventually they got to the point where they just kind of had that like it laser printed on what the yeah, movie was you know yeah. and it was like burned onto the plastic the black that's so boring it's like I love these stickers and like seeing this on here. Mm -hmm. There's a be kind rewind sticker on awesome. there. Like <laughs> putting those on packages, like as a, you know, built in feature these days for sort yeah. of rewind collections and stuff. Yeah. Oh, so, so fantastic to have like a VHS copy of this. When um, you said um, that those were what you had and I had this idea that I would, find them and and send them to you and actually i i tried to get ghostbusters i got beat out twice at the last second oh, ghostbusters. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so i'm glad to hear that have you secured one yet um I, yeah it's uh it's on its way so it'll be coming. does it I, awesome i i have i was not i i'm i need to i'm hoping that it's going to be one like this i so. was i was careful about that because in the yeah but there are some out there but they're not all that way yeah. When you, I don't know why I. This is the kind of useless thing that I know, but I knew, even though I never seen Stand by Me, I just knew it was Columbia, the studio. It was from that period of time. I knew it would be like that. I knew it should be like that because yeah. I had um, what we were talking about. Yeah, in the eighties, um, there was this prevalence of of fifties 
uh, nostalgia. And that's how I came to see uh, and even get into music at all. But like the La Bamba produced by Columbia Pictures came out in 1988 on video. And when I eventually got a previously viewed copy of that, it had that side uh, action going. And it felt, and I, I recognized that from like back in the day, you would go to video stores and they would have like the box on the shelf and that's how you knew what tape to grab like from behind it or maybe you brought the empty box up to the yep. thing and they gave it to you or whatever. So I was so familiar with those video boxes as we talked about and and also for the Buddy Holly story which was also a Columbia House release. So I just somehow knew Ghostbusters and Stand By Me, Columbia House, mid-80s should have that kind of yeah. box and so I was like, I can't wait to... Like, so I almost honestly got you one that didn't have the box because there were some like that. Oh yeah, and I was like, that might be kind of fun too. But oh, this is this is so great. I mean, because this is like the part that I never had, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, and of course you're not going to watch it on VHS. No, no, I have the beautiful Blu-ray, which this is a great Blu-ray edition. Yes, Uh, I got that too. Um, uh, which is, I mean, it's a beautiful transfer of the film it looks yeah. really good uh that's got great special features on it did you watch uh, that half hour uh thing that I starts have with stephen the, king the 25 years later thing yeah there was so i actually didn't get to that but it, uh, it it's the walking on the tracks the summer of stand by me it's about 36 oh yeah minutes. yeah did you see that one no it uh it starts with stephen king talking and he said oh, wow. like for years i had been trying to find like the right vehicle to like string together a lot of my memories from childhood. And this was ultimately it. And then he also said that it was, um, he felt that most of the good stories about boys involved journeys. That's about as far as I got. But I was like, yeah, so I kind of, I'm really looking forward to, yeah, Um, digging into that. The, I, it's funny because you talked about the La Bamba and inspiring, like being like how you fell in love with music. I was telling Ash, I went through a really long period where the oldies was like that's what I listened to, like the oh really the fifties and sixties music. And I yeah, really me too. I used to think that the number one in, and I still think the number one influence on that was my mom always listened to Magic One Hundred Five. Yeah, I remember um, Magic One Hundred Five. I was in Rage. They didn't play. Yeah. In, yes. Wait, what was the first name? I forgot. Lanigan and Malone. Lanigan and Malone. Yeah. yeah, I was always in Rage. They didn't play uh, more <laughs> Buddy Holly. <laughs> yeah, but we um, heard that all the time. Yeah, in the car. And, um, but after watching this movie, I remember how much I loved the soundtrack to this movie because it's a really good. It is. Yeah, representation of that of that period of time um, yeah and it, i think they kind of present it as stuff from the radio a lot of times so you would hear yeah. a snippet of this song or that it, it, did you catch that so the actual dj from castle rock that's because the movie takes place in castle rock castle rock washington in the movie it's not castle rock Maine. yeah or oregon right yeah or oregon or, oregon yeah. Yeah, that was weird. It must have just yeah, been where they filmed weird. it. Yeah. But it was the first. This is the first Castle Rock Studios picture, right? Like Yep. Yep. And and where he I'm sure he pulled the name Castle Rock from. So yep. uh yeah. yeah. Uh I mean, fucking Seinfeld is produced by this company. So you used to yeah. always see that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um anyway, sorry. Um But what was I saying? I'm trying to think. Um oh the DJ. Oh, 
Did you get get the connection that when he tells the pie eating contest story, that DJ is like the celebrity character? Because he oh, does no, he That's does awesome. the same he does the same intro. If you listen to him when he's introducing Lollipop, he says that like uh, it's the the stacks and stacks of the best on wax. This is K nine like oh cool in Portland. Like that's he oh, does that the... intro. And then they do a callback to that when he tells the story because that guy is the celebrity pie eater in the competition. That's the dude so. with like the dark hair that wants to be. No, 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 no. He's the guy that he gets. He like pushes the mayor out of the way and like takes the microphone and go and does that same intro. He's like the, you know, the oh. stacks and stacks of the best on wax, like K998. <laughs> That's and, great. In, and, then, and then everybody in the pioneering contest is like in portland i think that's what they say <laughs> yeah uh, portland oregon and uh so that was a nice you could see i i really like how they did that to tie in how he's pulling in his these things these references these like impressions that he has as a kid you know like yeah. again write what you know right uh so no ring of truth to it i i lo- also love so when Ashton, this is a great story. This is little, and then we'll talk more about the movie. But when we were watching it, um, after the pie eating scene, when when Vern goes, Gordy, I just got one question because he got that little bit of a lisp, you know, and yeah. uh, I just got that one question. One question. He's like, what? He's like, did Lardas have to pay to join that pie eating contest? Or did they just let him in. <laughs> <laughs> and like he says that, and, and Ash is like. I relate so much to Vern. It's ridiculous. Like, she's, really? She's like, I relate to him so much. And Gordy's like, no, Vern. They just let him in. Oh, great story, man. Great story. <laughs> I see her back there. Do you think she would give yeah. us her, her two cents on Stand you By Me? You want to give her two cents on Stand By Me, babe? Oh, she says I'm doing a good job. Yeah, she enjoyed <laughs> that's it. Right. Yeah, that's all right. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I um, I don't, I don't love Jerry O'Connell. I'm not sure yeah. why. Maybe it's because I heard him shit on vinyl once in the late '90s. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> I don't know why. You hold those grudges, buddy. You yeah, it was like vinyl. What the fuck yeah. is that? It was like 1998. I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, that's ridiculous. I I don't know where that comes from. He was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. I loved everything he did as that yeah. as Vern. <laughs> like he he rang the most true to me. Like there were there were times and I I can't fault them and I don't know, but one of the things that probably suffered from me seeing this for the first time as an adult is like the sort of the emotional breakdowns of the kids. Yeah. did not ring super true to me. Like they seemed like they were trying hard to cry, yeah. maybe weren't really crying. Those are the few, like, the few tiny blemishes, and otherwise, as you say, like, perfect film, like, yeah. super watchable, but in like really like, you know, lived up to all that I was hoping it would be. Those those kind of things you can't necessarily. I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, they're kids. I mean, it's it's yeah. they're kids, and, and they're and all early in their career. You <laughs> yeah. know, like and also it's great too that they are age appropriate you know like yep. we talked about luke perry earlier like he was in his mid to late 20s playing a teenager and I yeah know. yeah that was like kind of what you did then and then that was like in the early 90s so we're talking like in the in the mid what was this 86 this came out so and Corey feldman like that's the year after goonies <laughs> yep and actually i like Corey feldman but he was not great in this for me but jerry oh, o'connell was perfect yeah. he was just 
perfect. I was on his side. I believed every moment. I probably yeah. will like him better as a grown ass kind of like GQ looking motherfucker <laughs> now, just because of seeing him then. Like yeah. he's just incurred a lifetime of goodwill as that character, Vern. Sorry. So yeah. anyway, what were... <laughs> no, and I mean, but I agree with all of that. It, it 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 that was probably the most noticeable was that I felt like at times it was overacted, but at the same time though, there were times that I I really felt like. Um, I'm trying to. I'm so terrible with fucking names. River Phoenix, just yeah. like actually, I never liked he River was, Phoenix before, but I do now because of this. He was fantastic. Like it's like I thought his breakdown when he finally breaks down to Gordy about the about stealing the lunch money and like I totally get what you're saying. Where all the other kids, it felt like it was really forced for them to cry and like all. It, man, he was like top notch all the way through. I totally bought his breakdown uh um that scene and him talking it was a i i guess yeah there was a couple points but well it's yeah it's tough because they're kids and all that they're kids and, and i mean and there were times too where Corey feldman like when he was freaking out and like in anger like at the at the guy who insulted his dad there were times yeah. where i did really buy that the, the, and it's weird like i never questioned those things in the audiobook and maybe that's a yeah. testament to um frank, frank Muller, but um yeah, and I definitely don't remember having those kinds. That that that's why I think for me I relate a lot to like my late teens, early twenties when I had those more meaningful kind of group uh, yeah. relationships because I do remember having those more serious and vulnerable discussions then. Like I remember, I haven't had this in a long time, but like then at times and even into my like early twenties when I was going through my divorce, if I was having like particularly vulnerable discussions like i remember one with pumps one time and uh, like i remember like i would just imp almost imp uh, certainly imperceptibly to the other person but like i would a little bit like shake like yeah just from the nerves of like the vulnerability of the whole thing so yeah and so in the story like when they would get into all that kind of stuff i never batted an eye or or raise an eyebrow like oh this is not there's no truth yeah. in this art yeah. just seeing it in a movie there were times like as a movie that it felt like, oh, here's the movie, movie part. Right. I kind of felt that way about Shawshank, but for some reason, Shawshank had a more collective resonance that washed away those. Sort sure. Of... Anyway, I mean, these are the only quibbles I have with a, <laughs> with a movie that I came to as an adult and almost, you know, that it almost sort of joins, it almost supersedes all the things that people who grew up with it probably can easily overlook as I do for all the yeah. things that I grew up. Well, yeah. And, and those are things that you just don't notice until you, I feel like until you become, until you've watched enough movies, you start to notice yeah. those things, yeah. you know, this kind of, this is the whole point of long walk, short drink remembers is to try to get back for me is to get back to the, watching a movie for the sake of just watching a movie, you know, yeah, and not yeah. having to I'm like, all put all, that. yeah. And I'm not having that. to put all, all <laughs> that into it, you yeah. know, and, uh, this, and, the, and, but all of those things you're hitting on, I definitely, there were cringy moments in this for me where I'm like, Oh, you know, like where of those forced react, those forced performances, it felt like things you just didn't, 
I just didn't notice when I was a kid. I think the whole Richard Dreyfus part feels like an afterthought. Like they were like that didn't work for me as much as I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> the part the now the voiceover I loved having, but the the parts that they actually show Richard Dreyfus, like where you're. Where he's like typing, yeah, and I and I and I, uh, yeah, that huge computer, and like, (laughs) I love like you, I love what he types, but then it cuts to him, and he's like, "Hmm." and he like, it feels like really forced. It's like this like terrible performance, you know, like does not live up to his voiceover work at all. So it's funny you say that. I I just recently there was a, a an article in the Entertainment Weekly that the bride gets and it was a one page like half page thing on say anything the movie say oh anything, yeah yeah which she loved loves like and loved as a kid i came to a little bit later it was like a bonding thing for us and it said something in that article that one of the people who was up for the role of diane court's dad was richard dreyfus but okay. that richard dreyfus there was like fierce competition for that role and richard dreyfus was among the people that was 1989 that came out and but he said that really, ultimately, Richard Dreyfus admitted that what he really wanted to play was Lloyd Dobler, who was like the like teenage kid. The kid, yeah. And ever since I heard that, and this has been in like less than a month, I've just been like, what? Yeah. And so when I saw Richard Dreyfus in this movie and saw like his behavior and stuff, I'm like, fuck you, Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. Like, Lloyd Dobler, why are you out of your fucking mind? Like, yeah. who do you think you are? So, I don't know. So that, that that colored my... He was like in the <laughs> mid-70s during Close Encounters of the Third yes. Kind playing a guy who was married with two yeah. kids. Like... I I I'm, I know. And a I'm, decade later, he wanted to play a teenager. That's such I, I know, um, and so I have to realize too. Like I'm sure he knew that was not the right thing. Yeah. The fact that he identified with, with that, I shouldn't be giving him shit for. Like when we watched uh, Friday Night Lights, the bride and I, which I can't recommend enough, even though it doesn't sound like something I would love with a show about high school football. Um, I related to the teenagers, and and yeah. and uh, and the bride at one point was like, "We are way closer to the parents here." Like it's creepy that you relate to the teenagers. I'm like, yeah, is it? <laughs> but so, <laughs> <laughs> so I got, I should cut Richard Driver some slack. But when he made that, hmm. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, what were some of the things? Uh, so was, this was the movie you watched endlessly as a kid. What were some of yeah. the things you loved about it back then? Like, what do you remember most strongly when you're watching it on Friday nights when your mom's bowling and stuff? I love the idea of the um, having a clubhouse, and I love the idea of having a group of friends that you can go out and have an adventure with. And like, I was a little kid. And all the other kids in the in the villas were all like thirteen and fourteen and fifteen year olds. So like the smoke and the cigarettes, like they all nicked cigarettes and smoked them, you know. And like I, so there was that. There was like the camaraderie part of it. There was the um, it had the token fat kid in it. So I'm like, you know, this kid's got like this group of friends that they go and do all this stuff with. I love the idea of. Um, I love how uh, the the scene when they have the gun behind the diner and they shoot it. I think that is such a genuine reaction when they're like, "Jesus Christ!" Like they shoot the gun yeah, and it actually yeah. goes off, and they both yeah, look yeah. like it's on the back of the box. Like, is it? Like, oh yeah. You see, like, get that up there. Oh yeah. Like, if 
I talk, you can see it. It's just like his face is Will Wheaton's face is so fantastic. Uh, I love that scene. I love the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the like the conversation that the, the montage that they have when they're talking about all the different things. Yes, like, I wrote that down, and I remembered ultimately that it was on on your movie review show, the cable action show Palmer's Picks, like in nineteen ninety nine. I want to say it was Guppy. Is that possible? That brought that, it. On? It might be. That might be. That sounds actually accurate. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, when yeah. it when that scene came on, I was like, "Oh, I've seen this! Yeah. Oh, and it's magic! It's it's like all the things that are, it's kind of like, you know, when Kevin Smith made Clerks, like a lot of it was like talking about Star Wars and shit people were not doing at the time, and this idea right. uh, of talking about pop culture. Int- that I don't remember that from the uh, novella. I don't think they get into specifics about. No, he did. He does say something to. To the effect of like we talked about the things that seem so important before you discover girls, um, but the, in that thing, it's not around the campfire, I think. But when they're talking about who would win in a fight, like Mighty Mouse or Superman, yeah, <laughs> Corey Feldman's like, well, Mighty Mouse is fictional, and Superman's like a real guy, so <laughs> <laughs> I think that wins. Uh, I love this is gonna sound creepy too, but I love when they're sitting at the junkyard and they're like. Have any of you noticed how big Annette's tits are getting on Mickey Mouse Club? And they're like, oh. yeah, I noticed how like the A and the E are starting to curve around. And, like Jerry O'Connell is like, yeah, Annette's tits are great. Like, he just, <laughs> like, he just has to contribute somehow to the conversation. And like, yeah. uh, but you can tell he's just, he's not there yet. He's not at that developmental yeah. stage like yeah. where they are yet. And <laughs> so good uh, in the like in how. Cause so in that montage around the campfire, there's like three conversations going, there's like three or four conversations going on and all of them are like pseudo serious, not pseudo serious. They're like, like, they're all kid serious. But then the last one is like, what is goofy? And I love how like they keep coming back, like, (laughs) like giving everybody's take on what goofy is like, like Pluto's a dog. And but no. goofy, like, but he's goofy. Is goofy can't be a dog because Pluto's a dog, and and that whole thing about he wears pants and stuff. There was yeah. so much that reminded me of uh, Monster Squad, which I which, which came later, like basically the next year. Yeah, and I know Monster Squad was kind of well, knowing that I'm thinking of Teen Wolf was like pitched as an afterthought, but you can tell like that that is super influenced by by this. And, yeah, know, to the point where when they talk about the weight thing, uh. He's like the gland. I have a glandular gland. Your glandular gland, problem. Glandular yeah. problem. Um, yeah. And the Stephen King rule shirt and just the breakdown of of the group in terms of like kind of archetypes. Yep. And such. Um, also, it reminded me. So this came just a few years. Like this was published in eighty two, right? So it, it it just preceded by a couple of years. It. Yeah, so you can see how maybe Stephen King was thinking about his his childhood and kind of writing about these kids, and um, you could see how maybe that would kind of spiral into writing about the Losers Club. Um, anyway, that that was kind of like something I was thinking, and 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 you got your Ace Merrill, you know, played by Kiefer Sutherland, and actually I just forgot. Uh, 
I was really surprised to see John Cusack. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. He's was, the older brother. He's Gordy's older brother. Yeah, yeah. Before Say Anything. And I remember one of the reasons like John Cusack almost didn't take Say Anything was because he was tired of playing younger char- characters. Like yeah. He was like that whole Luke Perry thing of being in your mid-20s and playing teenagers. But um, uh, but yeah, so the Ace Merrill sort of menace of that character, because that was really strong for me in the book, like that idea that they would hurt them, that, and they did actually. That was yeah. that was something those like the tough kids in the in the book. Uh, part of the thing that it was included in the story is when they did come back around after after Chris and Gordy stood up to them, like and broke their arms and shit, and, like yep. fucked them up, like in this yep. really horrible way. Um. I felt like that was a real predecessor to like um oh shit I'm blanking on his name the the really like sociopath kid and uh, it um oh um oh no shit Patrick Hotster where is it I feel like that's his buddy fuck yeah you're probably right hold on <laughs> fully had a super computer <laughs> yeah I'll race you. I bet you'll find it first. Oh fuck! I'm using IMDb. I'm not sure if this is wise. Come on, come on! I want to feel like uh, it's Henry I mean, something. It's, it's Patrick Hotzer. Oh, okay. Shit. Henry Bowers was the Henry lead. Bowers. It was the lead bully. Uh, oh no! I think Patrick Hotzer was he was the actual sociopath of that group. The one that like kept puppies in a freezer and oh. killed his baby brother. Oh God. <laughs> Remember that kid? Like that out. <laughs> but like, Henry was the like the leader of the group. The like leader the of kid. the bullies. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And if I, I mean, just, like, no spoilers. I, I mean, I'll, I won't tell you when, but you, like, Ace Merrill pops up again, like oh. in other works. So oh, the name Mer- the name Merrill, last name Merrill, pops up regularly with Castle Rock. There's a, um, so you probably haven't run into it yet. There's a short story called star dog that that takes place in castle rock uh that there's this guy named pop merrill who owns the emporium glorium which is like a junk shop oh i know that from it though yeah the emporium glorium right pop merrill is ace merrill's uncle okay merrill you know because this takes place in castle rock so yeah usually when they come back to castle rock up to a certain novel he will come around like he'll nice appearance or people will reference ace merrill like you know because he has a reputation of being this kind of guy yeah 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 and of course henry fuck what was that his name henry uh i don't have it i'm looking at the wrong thing from it henry bowers that's Derry, with you know neighboring town yes yes like the sister town to yeah castle rock Right. I made a short list um, as I was listening of the things that came up in the Stephen King universe. Of course, Castle Rock, the yep. Mellow Tiger Bar, which yep. I only know otherwise from the show Castle. The Rock, show Castle Rock, I'm sure. Must you haven't probably right? run it. This might be the first thing in the chronology, though, that you've run into that's set in Castle Rock, right? Uh, Cujo was. Oh, Cujo was. That's right. Because uh, Cujo is mentioned, and when they the the boys encounter the other dog, they're kind of. In contrast to Cujo, yeah, um, I feel like it's come up otherwise too, but I'm not super sure. Oh, um, isn't the Dead Zone in Castle Rock or no? Yes, it is, and I think they mentioned the Mellow Tiger in the Dead Zone. Oh, probably, yeah, certainly with all that yeah. 
tiger business. But uh, Constable Bannerman, I thought that was a very old-fashioned It name. is very old-fashioned. But I guess yeah. that is referring to he would have been like a, what, a patrolman or something in Cujo? Yeah, an elected official. official. It's like an equivalent of a sheriff, I think, is what. Oh, like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so. who will, like, do the outlying county areas that aren't necessarily towns, you know? Um, so he's, so Bannerman is the sheriff of Castle County, which Castle Rock is the county seat of. Castle oh, county. yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. That helps. Yeah. Um, what else? The Salem's Lot, they mention as a stupid town name. Yeah. <laughs> That's <was> funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Pioneer Days in Castle Rock, which I only yeah. know because of the show. Is that does that come up otherwise? Uh no, I think that's just like that's just a deep dig, is what yeah, that is. Like that a was deep cool. Dive. So yeah. Uh and deep then of course cut, Shawshank. That's what that is. Yeah. And Shawshank. They're, they're like, yeah, you're not gonna end up in Shawshank. And Juniper Hill, did they reference Juniper Hill at all? They do, but I don't recognize that. Juniper Hill is the insane asylum that Henry Bowers is sent to after oh. he's framed for murdering everybody as children. Oh. And that he escapes from is Juniper Hill. So yes. okay. any of King's works that take place in Maine, if you go to jail, you go to Shawshank. And if you go to the insane asylum, you go to Juniper Hill. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think um, with this being set in Oregon and stuff, and uh, I don't know... If I think I don't think Maine was a super big part of the cinematic representation of King's no, Work not in, not in the no, I I'm I, but you have to think too. Like Stephen King is still just like he. I I, I have to imagine, but even in the mid '80s, he's still viewed as a fluke, like as like not an established. He this guy doesn't hasn't had a thirty year career of number one bestsellers. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. Yeah. He had a good Lit- run though, like a decade by that point. In, yeah, in all the films and stuff, which the Gordy character mentions too, like, "Oh, I my first book this, and it turned into a movie, and the next, yeah, and all that." It all sounded very familiar. Yep, yep. So but I, I, you know, of course, I recently jumped ahead to Pet Cemetery, and the film version of that, like that came out in 1989, that was a big part of it. I knew or I learned from the behind the scenes stuff is that they they set it in Maine on purpose and they made sure to film it there yep and i think maybe that's continued and just incidentally i did watch that uh documentary on netflix that has a great like period artwork of the it looked yeah, like sort uh, of old warner brothers like library titles yeah but i looked it up to see if there was a dvd and there is and it has a fuck ton of like special features <laughs> i have unearthed <laughs> Oh, it's so good! It's great. I remember I watched about half of it, and I remember like like this is so such a good. It's like all archival. It's like because she gets doesn't ultimately she gets forced off of the production like or they didn't have any confidence in her. Oh, the female director, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but they. uh, I mean, to see it after there isn't a lot of like. Um, there is VHS stuff from other people in the cast. There's no like clips from the film. I don't think they could afford the rights to that. Right. So there's that kind of weirdness, but but just the stories about it and stuff are really cool. And and the special features include an audio commentary with the the directors, a podcast commentary with with another group of people, edited alternate scenes, video interviews with the creators, pet tales from the cutting room floor, location photo compilation. You know, a bunch of stuff. So I'm like, ah, fuck. And that came yeah. hot on the heels. This is just a quick di- 
not not really diversion, just things to show you. Like the creep show, Shout Factory was amazing. I'm still yeah. working my way through all those fucking commentaries. That's awesome. And as a, as a fan of supplementary supplementary material, um, red shirt pictures comes up a lot in the last few years. Throughout, they produce stuff for all kinds of like different studios and whatnot. But the dude that produced the from red shirt pictures um, made a f- he mentions in like the fourth commentary for creep show. That's like a compilation of interviews that don't even sync with the picture. He's yeah. like in 2007, I made this like f- feature length documentary about the making of creep show called uh, just desserts. And these are like people I couldn't interview for that. So I'm talking here. And so I look up just desserts and it's a feature like fucking like alternately oh, available. Shit. So I ordered that, which has a fuck ton of, I don't even like creep show that I didn't dislike creep show, but like I'm down yeah. this fucking rabbit hole. I got the graphic novel. Like I'm just sick. What? That's crazy. <laughs> like so I and that's and it's actually drawn by Bernie Wrightson, like of awesome. Swamp Thing fame, but I I love him cuz he made the most amazing Frankenstein illustrations ever that actually accompanied Frank Darabont's script for the 1994 film. Anyway, awesome. bunch of diversions there. I, I had initially asked you like your thoughts on the movie as a young, as a youngster, and so you were like the music, the camaraderie, yeah, the, the camaraderie, the um, and just the adventure, just like all the other ones, like explorers, like all that stuff. It's it's just that that escape and adventure. I um, like Gordy is. I remember that really sitting with me as a kid, that scene where he's like having in the nightmare and they're at his brother's funeral yeah. and, his, and his dad looks at him and says, it should have been you Gordy like that man is like an eight year old that fucking hits you in the stomach. Um, and just really night, dude. Night, Jerry. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Just really makes it. I don't know. Real. Uh, it's just watchable. It's like the Goonies. It's like it, you can just put it in at any time and sit through it and enjoy it. You know, like it's it's one of those like where you're just like, oh, stand by me again, and then you like, <laughs> and then you 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 say that, and then realize like an hour later that you're into it. You know, you know that an hour has passed and you've been watching it. So, um. Yeah, I, I just it just it's just great storytelling from begin. It's a great example of a watchable film. Uh, even Kiefer Sutherland, I think, is overacts in some of his scenes. Like some yeah. of the stuff is like really just like almost laughable at how dark and sinister he's trying to make this bully yeah you know? yeah and uh he, f- he felt like the and i, I hadn't seen lost boys so i was an adult also but yeah you could tell like they basically just like cast him in lost boys and like just do that shit again <laughs> yeah we just want that <laughs> as a vampire <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i just love it yeah uh, and for the for the grief i gave like the kids and their breakdown and stuff there's i mean for like ninety percent of it, maybe more, they're like super authentic and, and believable. And, yeah, the the, yeah. the um, I was just I I forgot all about this. The train scene over the the trestle. Yeah, where they like, have to run. Like Jerry O'Connell and in and uh and Will Wheaton's reactions are so genuine. Like, 
every time they cut to Jerry O'Connell, he is like sobbing his eyes out. And yeah. Sprinting. And sometimes on green screen, like obviously on green screen. Yeah. With the transfer, you can tell, but he is selling it, man. Yeah. It's just like really good performances and. And that and it still created anxiety in me as an adult, like yeah. watching that scene. Um, yeah, I just love it. It's just a I I, don't, I think the easiest way to say it is it's just a, a great example of a watchable film. That's the that's what I like about it. Yeah. Relatable. It's everybody has the it it it, it yeah, it's just yeah, that's it. Well, it's like um, all those things we mentioned, like your your Goonies, your Monster Squad, it, but it doesn't have that supernatural component. So it's right. all the more kind of plausible and and relatable without that 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 extra, you know, added and, uh, mystical part or what is it, magical and, realism? Yeah. As a Stephen King fan, and this is something that you can't, I can't, but couldn't piece together until a, a, as an adult and having gone through Stephen King's. The, the bulk of Stephen King's work, um, I think he repeatedly says it's like it's anybody that knows it's always about the journey and not about the destination. Like that's what's mm-hmm. good. And yeah, they this mo- this movie totally nails that because the at the end of the day, at the end of the movie, even though the bot like going and seeing this dead kid was the catalyst when they finally are presented with it, they're just like, there he is. And then it's kind of like over and done. And they even realize like that it's, they end up turning it like, cause like they want both groups of kids, the bullies and these young kids want to be the ones to say they did it so they can become famous because they found the kid's body. Hmm. And so at the end, when they realize, like, oh, this is terrible, and we're, they just turn it in as an anonymous tip, you know? And yeah, just a great movie. It's just good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I dug it good. too. I'm, I'm glad, uh, glad to have had this opportunity finally to watch it. Um, is there anything before we move on to Ghostbusters? Is there anything, you know, that, was different for you as an adult that you didn't uh, mention or j- that kind of. I, I definitely thing. picked up on the. Um, I definitely picked up on the. Overact or the the like, just the like, really dramatic. Reactions to some things because they're kids. Yeah, the breakdowns they, is tricky because like the main thing in making that stuff believable is most people are trying hard when they're breaking down not to break down trying hard right. not to cry right and so right. i think a lot of times the most moving portrayals of that are people who are somehow able to like pull that off <laughs> yeah um but those kids are definitely like they're trying to emote because they're supposed right. to and right yeah so uh, that the um i forgot how impactful the or how the whole like chris chambers is dead and then Gordy asking him to take the the college classes with him, the college prep classes with them, and then him saying, "No, I'm just a kid from the wrong side of the tracks." And then the over the voiceover saying, "Like Chris did go to those classes with me and ended up becoming a lawyer." And then you know, two weeks ago, he walked in and tried to break up a fight and was stabbed in the throat. 
which is just like the gut punch of like voiceovers ever. Um, I, I didn't pick up on that part as a kid watching this movie, but I did pick up on it, you know, years ago when I listened to this on the audio book. So that, um, and really just how awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Jerry O'Connell really did nail it. Like just fucking good. Yeah. So I don't know what that magic was, but he was not like, you know, we're we're soon to talk about Ghostbusters. And I know one of your things about Bill Murray is like, it always feels like Bill Murray is in on the joke. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell in that movie, it's like, I'm not sure he was. I don't know if he could have been to have been so unaffected. Like, and so, yeah. I don't know. Like, he's he's just, like, perfect in that yeah. role. <laughs> yeah. Just nails it. So, yeah. uh, it's good stuff. Great Indeed. movie. Uh, totally, uh, totally glad that it is in my collection, for sure. Yes. So. I remember back in the day of Palmer's Picks, the show, you would say that, uh, well, you didn't say it often, maybe, but at one point, and I remembered it, you, you said, like, the way that I would classify something, either a Palmer's pick or not, is whether or not I'd want to own it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I used to harbor fantasies of, like, making sure that you, you had all, that I helped you purchase all of those movies that the <laughs> guests brought on. So I'm happy to have delivered on oh, one of those awesome. in yeah, 20 absolutely. years. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, oh man well let's take a piss break and then yes. let's try to do some kind of justice for ghostbusters without staying up too terribly late yeah don't I fucking don't... go anywhere you two viewers and we'll be right back all right all right got a call I have this nice like Blu-ray collection. It's got yeah, one and two. Uh, It's got a little book with stuff in it and um, personal note from Ivan Reitman in there. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, Director Kindergarten Cop. (laughs) Yeah, think of that movie. I like Stripes. Stripes. I've never seen Stripes. Oh, Stripes. That's a good one. I could do a long walk for drink. Remembers on Stripes even. Uh, But no, so like I said earlier, I don't consider myself to be a super fan of this. And I I think that that is because it was one of two movies that I always owned. So it's not that I dislike the movie. It's that I I just know it. It just is. I feel like this and Stand by Me are like a part of me just because I've watched them so much. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm wearing this Bloodsport shirt, and I we all know how much I love JCVD and Bloodsport. But yeah. I think I've probably only actually seen Bloodsport once in the last. I mean, f- uh, easily decade, maybe maybe quite a bit more. But I yeah. just I saw it so very much that I know it front to back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And I wouldn't say that my knowledge of Ghostbusters is as thorough as say Goonies. Um but it, it it's one of those like super quotable movies. Like yeah. Yeah. uh which is great. 
it's one of those movies that as throughout time as like more and more has trickled out about the behind the scenes of it that is just fascinating um so like ernie hudson's character is who man he doesn't even get a credit <laughs> that is so that's so fucking shit all across like, the top yeah, it's like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis. Like, uh, I guess I could see that in that company. And his character does come in in this kind of weird way. So my my understanding of that whole situation is originally when this script was written, um, Eddie Murphy was huge oh, at the time. Sure, yeah. And this Ernie Hudson's character was supposed to be the everyday like the the lay person to help communicate some of these high level concepts someone to through. explain things to yeah come in from to the outside through. to help yeah. with the exposition yeah yeah and was supposed to be a part of it from essentially like the whole time and that part was dog-eared for eddie murphy yeah that makes sense and then as the production started to come on and the rewrite started to happen as they were ramping towards production, Bill Murray kept pushing more and more like stealing more and more of the time of the movie and Eddie Murphy backed out. And mm. so because the part had been truncated down to this essentially like token black guy, because yeah, as awesome as Ernie Hudson's character is, and I love having him in there it really feels like that's what he is, is like a token black guy. Um, yeah, he doesn't have much of a strong identity, and he mostly, he kind of is a part for them in, in some ways. And like when they go yeah. to jail, he's like, I just started working here and all this. Yep, like he's yep. distancing himself. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, so um, that to me, when I found, when I heard that story, that was fascinating to me. Holy shit, I just looked and it was like, so if you look, this came out in 1984, in 1982, you got 48 Hours, 83, Trading Places, 84, Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> so yeah. it's no wonder Eddie Murphy's like, fuck this. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm on top of the world. <laughs> and he's dealing with the guy who, at that point, might have been, was close to 10 years being done with Saturday Night Live. You know, Bill Murray, like, yeah. Yeah, like, was Bill Murray was done. Yeah, he wasn't. Because uh, he was in the, like, in the early seasons of Saturday Night Live, right? And so... Yeah. Let me check out his. And so I could see Eddie and Eddie Murphy's has the skyrocketing movie and stand up career oh, and Saturday yeah, Night yeah. Live career. Like he's like, he's doing all three at the time, like all yes. within the, those same years for him to be like, who's this motherfucker think he is? Like, keep stealing my time. I would totally see that happening. Yeah. And I have heard from multiple, like, multiple um, production stories that bill murray's a hard person to work with sometimes um so i could see that uh and he play like i think this movie is a great example of how he is in on the joke like he acts like he's in on the joke like yeah yeah he has no patience for any of this supernatural shit like none <laughs> what's like yeah like the whole time he just acts like it's all ridiculous and he plays a character with a PhD in parapsychology. <laughs> like right. <laughs> when it's know? 22, you can you can see where he would have been taken away from the Eddie Murphy sort of angle. That character. Yeah. Like he is the skeptical one. He yeah. is the one cracking wise about so it's hard to know in retrospect 
hearing that, how much of it is a result of him just stealing shit, <laughs> stealing right. that sort of approach to character dialogue, and how much of it might have been just given to him on Eddie Murphy's leaving. Right, but, yeah. right. I have to admit, when I was watching this, I didn't... So this came up because of your pinball acquisition recently, and then also sure. this idea of these two VHSs that you had as, as a kid. And so that was where the grouping comes from. And when we brought it up, I was like, you know, I don't know when the last time I saw Ghostbusters was, and I feel like I don't remember it very well. Um, when I watched it, uh, I was surprised at how familiar it was to me. And I'm not even sure how, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Like I, I don't, I didn't have that tape. I don't have like specific memories that attached to it but for some reason i do remember an awful lot of the movie and obviously some of the adult i think it's a huge pop culture you have to forget you have to remember that on, too right yeah it was, it, it was gigantic it was a gigantic pop culture phenomenon when it when it happened i mean it, it, this movie was like huge in the movie theater and had a number one like the like the who you gonna call was like a number one hit and like so like all of those things all combined together, like it was, I, I I think that helps make it ingrained in in our memory. You yeah, know? yeah. And the second one came out like a few years later, right? Like yeah, Ghostbusters two was I want to say eighty nine. Is that right? I'm looking at eighty four. And that was a huge deal too when that came out. It did not perform yeah, as eight, well as yeah. the first one. Oh did, no! But... Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. But um, I mean, 1989—that's like for a sequel at that time to come out five years later. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of yeah. weird, right? Yeah. Uh, but well, it was yeah. the Quagmire, and then there was supposed to be a third one. There, they were supposed to do a third one almost instantly after that second one. Oh, like and, Back to the Future did yeah, two or three at the same time. Yeah, and at that time. After the like lackluster success, Bill Murray was kind of on the fence, like he didn't want to revisit the franchise again. And so oh. that of course throws it into a whole thing, which puts it into this like decades-long quagmire that there's every like three to five years there would be this rumor of Ghostbusters 3 happening, which ultimately ended up solidifying into the like ill-fated female all female version oh, the remake, of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um or not remake, reboot, I guess. Reboot. It's a reboot. And and that, I did not mind that. I know I might be alone in like Ghostbusters fans. I didn't mind it. I could, I, I, I didn't like all the CGI in it. It was forgettable. I don't think it's as quotable as this one original one was. But it didn't detract from the original one existing, that one being there. Like a lot of Ghostbusters fans will say that. They just put out a teaser. There is actually going to be Ghostbusters three that takes place in this universe, like right with um, Jason Reitman directing. Jason right? Reitman is directing, which is awesome, but it's yeah. really like he was on a podcast and he's like, "I'm taking it back for I'm taking Ghostbusters back for the fans," uh, and it's like, "What? What is it like? What does that even mean? Like, just <laughs> yeah. why can't they both exist? Like, they tried it. The studio tried it. It didn't. It failed. It flopped." So oh, who cares? Like the other two are still there, and now we're getting a third one in that universe. So um, that's that's exciting. That teaser looks really. You see the Ecto one in the like barn, which is oh, I haven't seen off. that yet. Oh, you haven't watched the trailer? Oh, it's 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 super short. 
there's no spoilers at all so it's not going to matter that i tell you this but like there's like it's it just it's a, a slow crane shot zooming in onto a barn in the middle of like an old rundown barn during a lightning storm and the crane like goes in through the double doors of the barn and there's something under a tarp in oh. the barn and just as the lightning flashes or there's a gust of wind and it like the tarp blows up and at that moment there's a perfect lightning flash and you see the like the no ghost symbol yeah. on the ecto on the tail of the ecto one and you see the fins it's re- i mean it is really like this it, it it gave me goosebumps the first time i saw it it's, oh, a, it's that's a, great uh, that's great so um but it it i just love how quotable it is i love how like yes your honor it's true this man has no dick <laughs> like it, like that's one of my favorite lines yeah uh, um <laughs> At the end, when they're fighting Gozer for the first time, and he's like, she's toast. That was the first, like, Bill Murray coined the term. Like, that's the first time you're toast. Oh, really? Ever, ever. Like, he invented that phrase, you're toast. Yeah, Uh, I I was a little surprised in watching it. Like, so, again, like, how much I remembered. But at first, I found myself, like, one of the few things I remembered was that opening scene with the shocking um, where he's yeah. doing the, the experiment and shocking the guy, and as a kid, I don't think I rec you know computed as much that he was like trying to favor, um, to gain favor with with the pretty girl who right. he was just like not shocking even when she got the wrong answers so that he could go right. out with her. Like as a kid, I don't think I, I mean I vaguely but not not in the same way I pick up now to be like, Oh, that's super shitty. Like what an asshole. And so I found myself like mad at him. Like fuck yeah. this guy and fuck Bill Murray. This is, this is me like in five minutes in, but by like 20 minutes in, I was starting to soften. And then about midway through, I'm like, what is this fucking magic trick that Bill Murray pulls where he is that guy, but everything he's doing is somehow he writes this very interesting line of like being in, being a dick, being yep. in on the joke, and being incredibly endearing, <laughs> yep. like all at once. To where by the end, I, I was just sort of like baffled by it. I was just like, "Of course, Bill Murray is Bill Murray." Like now, I'm on board. <laughs> if you remember when you're when you edit this and we're uh, send me a, a a task to tweet out the theory of Bill Murray. The, oh the, yeah, the, yeah, like, that video because I think that it really that what you just said is that's just what he does you hate him he just he's such an asshole he like makes dan Aykroyd like triple mortgage his parents farm and like (laughs) and like only is like writing his research grant to like pick up chicks and like you're right like shits on everything they think of doing and and all this stuff and just like rides this perfect line of dick and in on the joke and endearing that is exactly that sums it up perfectly i mean it's just i think of it but if you think of it that's he plays i always i one of my soft spots for actors are actors that figured out i can make i can just make money just playing me because yeah yeah like, there's some people who disappear into parts and others that yeah kind of like a Cary Grant or Tom Cruise Jack Nicholson oh yeah it plays himself 
I feel like I feel like Jack Nicholson plays himself. I feel like Bill Murray plays himself. Like if you were to meet Bill Murray in real life, that this is what the guy would be like. I like yeah. And if you think From of all, all of his right. characters, they're <laughs> all like Groundhog Day. How much yeah. do you fucking hate him in Groundhog Day? But by the end, you're just like. God is it like I I totally get what this guy's coming going through and coming from and um yeah some actors like they look f- for or or they they disappear in, oh, I'm not saying it right I cuz I just said it this way but like other some some actors take the approach where they have like kind of no personality that they want you to know about and they disappear into the characters yep. and other actors take this approach it seems to where they find themselves in the characters and those are yep. like kind of the, your more movie yep. star types like your your Bill alec Murray. baldwin i think does that yeah I, you yes. know yes they kind um, of bring themselves rob Lowe. yeah as opposed to like disappear into it and uh one of really my powerful one of my favorite performances and i think that bill murray n- nails that approach um another 80s movie that he's in that i i love the christmas carol story yeah, Scrooge. Yes. Scrooge. He's so fucking good in Scrooge. It's yep. like that last monologue where he's you like, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where he's like breaking down and he's crying yeah. and just like, holy shit, is that good? And the, it, 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 uh, where the first ghost takes him back. Um, the guy from the, the the lead singer from the New York Dolls is playing the cab driver, and he like takes him back and he sees his mom. <laughs> And like Buster and he, something or the, the yeah. hot 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 guy. I can't remember. Yeah, but he like uh he like Bill Murray starts crying and it's this like heartbreaking cry. It's not like an actor like for like he's legitimately crying, and then that guy leans in, and he's like, Niagara Falls, and it's just <laughs> you're just like, oh <laughs> yeah, Scrooge. I love Scrooge, but back to Ghostbusters. <laughs> This is where it, he, I feel like, has hit in his stride with that whole shtick, yeah. if you can call it that, or just sort of realizing what what yeah. works for him and how he can he bring himself to these roles. I mean, this is he is the this is a vehicle for Bill Murray's type of humor. Um, yeah, yeah, and if you saw Stripes, you would see that in yeah, there. I want to more, um, and more now. I was realizing that's um, like right in there with his um in that. Uh, he, also he did that uh, where the Buffalo Rome. I remember you had that when. Uh, yeah, the, he plays Hunter S. Thompson. That's not. That's not he is. He is definitely like acting in that. Like acting, he's trying acting. to like pull off like Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. If you so if you think of like Johnny Depp, who totally nails Hunter S. Thompson in yeah. Fear and Loathing. Yes, he's trying to do Johnny Depp doing Hunter S. Thompson. Which oh, okay. Doesn't but really like come so many really years well. before. Yeah. It. So many years before, which chronologically where the Buffalo Rome takes place after the events of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is like a battle. Well, as I'm looking at this, too, like his filmography, you know, in 1980 is Caddyshack, which is a real like affected, you know, he's got that like, you know, Dalai Lama, he's got that whole thing going. Yep. Um, But then then the next year is Stripes, which I don't know. Two years later is small role in Tootsie, which I kind of remember. Then Ghostbusters, probably that's like the first time he really kind of, he doesn't have a lot of, Buster Poindexter, that's the dude. Uh, hot, hot, hot. That's why I call him. He's the, the cab driver. 
but he's not in a lot of things like until Scrooged. And then, and then it's like, what about Bob groundhog day, mad Ho- dog and glory, Ed Wood. Oh God. Yeah. Kingpin. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Bill Murray rocks. But like, it was weird I how I was so resistant to him having not seen him in stuff and had this sort of, I, I, I most readily think of him in that movie, coffee and cigarettes, that Jim Jarmusch movie, not a very well, like, I only saw one. I might own it, but I've probably only ever seen it twice. Now, there's this scene in uh, in that movie where Bill Murray shows up as Bill Murray uh, with, I think, I don't know anything about hip hop. I can't remember. It's like, I'm uh, embarrassed, but like Jizza, Rizza, I don't know what the fuck. Like dudes with those names from the Wu-Tang Clan, I guess. They come into a diner. Turns out Bill Murray is like working there. Um and they're like, oh, Bill Murray. They keep saying like, hey, Bill Murray, <laughs> come sit down with us, Bill Murray. And Bill Murray does sit down with him. He's got that white hair. And he's like, he. I remember he takes this coffee pot. He's like a waiter in this restaurant, diner. He takes the coffee pot and drinks out of it like you would a coffee cup. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of how I think of him. And then like, I, I think there's someone who has a similar route to work as me on route 35 that I would see now and again, that has this kind of decal on his truck. That is Bill Murray, like a two tone, like it's Bill Murray's face. <laughs> I've yeah. Seen t-shirts. I've seen so that. This, yeah. Like this general awareness of, I felt like as a just person growing up that like, I I'm pretty sure that by the time he was doing groundhog day and stuff in the early nineties, like he should have been gray, but wasn't. You know, like he was dying it. And then yeah. one day he was just like, fuck it. And he was just like total white. <laughs> yep. And that's the one that I've pictured uh, for so long. Anyway, I don't think I've really seen his work in movies in a while. And so I had this weird experience of like taking that journey as it were to being like, fuck you. And like, ah, uh, and then being like, oh, Bill Murray. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Of course he ends up with. And then it reaffirms it. Like it, re- it reaffirms and you're just like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah I get this, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, okay. I, I think the Bill Murray I need to, I, there's one Bill Murray that I just have not got is all of the, um, like Moonlight Kingdom and. Oh yeah, uh, who's he's in all the Wes Anderson stuff? All the Wes Andersons, like that's a Bill Murray that I need to spend more time with. Definitely, uh, um, Royal Tenenbaums. Well, I know that. I one. don't even know though. I don't remember him as much in that. That's just my favorite of the Wes Anderson movies. Steve Zissou is the one that I think that he's like. Oh that's yeah. Wes Anderson that they they really like Bill Murray and is that. Uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Sissou. I don't Sissou. know if I made it through that one. I remember going to Chicago. I don't know if this is when I was there with Roe. There was one time I went there with Roe, like maybe 2006. This was the first time I went to therapy. I was super bitter and angry about it. I came yeah. like out of therapy, <laughs> just not doing well, and rode with Roe in this like kind of, it was a, like a muscle car or something. He had this crazy car for a minute. Drove me to... Chicago for a weekend with Star, which I just did not behave well <laughs> and was just so <laughs> pissed. I remember, like, I, yeah, it was not good. But part of that, I think we went to this theater where it was an early experience where you could order food and stuff. Oh, nice. And it was like a double feature. I feel, feel like it was Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic, and I slept through Life Aquatic. Oh, I so- I, to this day, I don't think I've seen it. Like, I think I've tried again. I have not take. seen it. 
I, I've, of course. Oh, you cut out a little bit. There. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you did too, but I think you're back. Oh, he was at Aloha. Oh my God. What has he been doing? I have, there's this, there's this theory, right? That I've heard. I don't know if it's a theory that he has no agent. He has an yep. answering machine. Yep. <laughs> and you call and leave a message and sometimes it works out. And he has missed out on big roles because of it. Oh, like, really? Because of that process. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. Uh, that. Yeah. It would make sense. It's not a very efficient process. <laughs> but it doesn't matter to him. That's the other thing, too, is it's like it's not a big like this is I think even the art of acting is one of the jokes he's in on. Like, I feel like he's just like <laughs> reached this like yeah. level where it's just like, yeah, but there's a documentary on Netflix that's called um, Bill Murray Stories. And it's oh, people fun. telling stories about running into Bill Murray in their everyday life nice. and what that interaction was like. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Sorry, I mean, Rios, we just got to talking about Bill Murray as Bill a Murray. concept for And exactly, <laughs> which is what he did to fucking Ghostbusters. He just stole the fucking show. Like, right, yeah. I mean, it was written by two of the guys in it, right? So it's like written by... Um, Harold Ramis and Dan and Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd. Right? Who are yeah. both fantastic in it, of course. So good. And like, Dan, I love Dan. A I, I think one of the things I love the most in this movie is the smoking. Like, it's just, Ooh. it's such a, like, it's one of those where they just do the smoking so well. Like the first time Sigourney Weaver comes into the firehouse and like Dan Aykroyd is, He's not leaning into the engine compartment of the Ecto-1. He is laying in the engine <laughs> compartment of Ecto-1. That's how, like to show how big of a fucking boat of a car that Cadillac is, right? <laughs> like he's laying in the engine compartment working on something. And she goes strolling by and he like turns and looks over his shoulder, but he's got this cigarette hanging out of his mouth and the smoke is just right. And then later when they're, uh, when they're going and uh, they're at the hotel that the Crown Plaza, I think is the hotel, but they're looking for Slimer and Dan Aykroyd like comes walking around the corner and he's just, and he's holding his like, his like proton pack and he's like just strolling and he's walking around and he's got the ecto goggles on his forehead and he turns the corner and there's just a cigarette hanging in his mouth. And his mouth, his jaw kind of hangs open. Oh, and the, I do remember. And that. the cigarette is yes. like hanging from his lip because yeah. it's stuck to his lip. And you're just like, ah. Oh. And later <laughs> in the movie, like him and Winston are like driving. Like the guy's name is Winston. Like, come on. <laughs> right. I love that name. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, but I, I worked with a guy. I, I worked at a gas station once over a summer. And I worked with a guy who said, Keep an eye out. There's only one type of person that buys Winston cigarettes, and it's an old white man with a giant white mustache tinged yellow at the bottom. <laughs> and that guy wasn't fucking lying. That is exactly <laughs> every person who bought Winston cigarettes looked like Sam Elliott. Like, just <laughs> like him. Uh, That's awesome. Anyways. But there's a scene later on in the movie when him, when Dan Aykroyd and Winston are driving in the Ecto one and they're talking about judgment day and talking about like the end of days oh, yeah. and the Bible and everything. And some of the stuff that I felt like 
in the original script there might have been more of because that's such a it's such an intimate scene where they're really talking about the implications of what they're dealing with, you know? And yeah, and there's but, some scary shit even in this movie. Like, yeah, there's a few moments where like, Oh fuck. Like that, where you like, can tell they're that going first for librarian ghost yep. is fucking terrifying. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. They, and they come out of the gates. That's the first one you see, but, uh, but they're both smoking in that scene. Oh, and yeah. they're yep. and, yes. like, like over their cigarettes and just like, and and they're uh when they're down in the containment area and they're and uh Egon is explaining the amount of paranormal activity and he uses the Twinkie to equate that. Everybody's <laughs> smoking in that scene, and there's just like Bill Murray that, comes yeah. out at one point where he's talking to Annie Potts and he's got a cigarette oh. hanging from his mouth and he's just she's like magic, by the way. Oh yeah, she's fantastic <laughs> in it. It's like it's just it is just such a great movie. But the smoking is one of I, I remember as watching it this time thinking like, God, it's no wonder people think smoking's fucking cool. Cause it's just like there it is used so well in this as as like an as a set dressing to this movie. It's yeah. crazy. Like that's a great observation. Yeah. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> so, uh, this is, oh, sorry. Oh, no. The, I, yeah, I was just looking for the next thing to talk about. But this was, uh, when I was talking about the kind of cultural resonance of Stand By Me, um, there were that in that case, I felt like in, it was, I noticed it kind of coming from the movie. Whereas with Ghostbusters, I felt like in, certain aspects I recognized things that might have suggested or influenced certain ways that the movie manifested. So like the famously the great wonderful theme song. You know, it's an eighties movie with the song where you use the title. <laughs> In the movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's Something actually strange. a catchy song that like yeah. becomes oh. a hit. Yeah. So fucking great. But they wanted um, Huey Lewis's "I Want a New Drug" and couldn't uh-huh. get it, get yeah. get the rights. So they basically did this knockoff, and I think successfully sued <laughs> Huey Lewis. Did um, I could be wrong about that? I'm, I'm pretty sure though. Um, but once you know that and you hear that song, you're like, oh, okay. But yeah, but it works great in the movie. There's another like in in there's a sequence towards the end where it's kind of ramping up this type of end days type of. Um, you know, the dead are rising and there's all this paranormal activity that had a very thriller-esque vibe to it. Yeah. It had that dun 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 And I was like, oh, it was a great song, like great rendition. But I was like, this is so obviously coming off the massive success of Thriller and the home video thereof. That, And there's like, you know, these zombies, like the cab driver zombie. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't yep. know for sure, but I'm guessing. I mean, you know, like Ivan Reitman, the kind of movies that he was involved in, like, God, look at his filmography. I was not aware of this, but like he directed Meatballs with Bill Murray, Stripes with Bill Murray, Ghostbusters. And then he goes on all these kind of awesome things. But it reminded me of like your John Landis, you know, who directed the thriller video and yep. American Werewolf yep. in London and that kind of stuff. So uh, that, that all seemed like kind of in the mix in this, um, in this fun way of like that, that, yeah, this type of thing that was in the air, like at the time uh, in the eighties, like the fifties were or whatever, but also this sort of horror vibe, horror comedy vibe. I don't know this. One, I, I don't remember Ghostbusters two as well, 
but I do remember this one, or seeing it now, this one seemed a little bit more like going for the horror thing at times more than the comedy. Kind of like the first Lethal Weapon is less of a comedy, but they realize that's a real strong suit, so they lean into that yeah. in the future ones. So. But at the same time, too, I mean, it's, it's, it is cast with the main characters are all big comedians. Yeah, um, comic actors. I, I, I think they, they know that they're... I think the comedy is a is a little more uh, of a of a forethought than an after. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they were trying for both at times, but yeah, like but a comedy like, one. But like we already said there is. I think it is a. I I definitely see it as a comedy with definite scary moments in it. Um, yes. Yes. And not as scary as the American Werewolf in London. Oh no, that movie is, is fucking terrifying. And there <laughs> yeah. are things that I find funny in that that I don't think they intended to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I love his fucking friend who just like oh Griffin rotting. Dunn. Yeah, yeah. Chris, the more yeah. like oh he's great. God, his friend is like so good in that. It turns uh, out the bride loves Griffin Dunn for like this Madonna movie he was in, and so and he's on This Is Us right now, which we're watching. And oh uh, wow. Anyway, but. We should, yeah, maybe somebody will talk about that. Um, I know you got. I just remembered. We're, we're, so I was getting to this one actor in the movie, and I remembered you have the open letter. But is there anything else you want to talk about Ghostbuster wise before we discuss Rick Moranis? Uh, no. I mean, just again that it's it's it's. I feel like it's one of those that I thought was. I'm like, this might be a little tedious to go back to this one. Um. But it's another one of those that's just it's just watchable. You can just watch it and just even in the third act when it starts to fall apart, I feel like some of the like unless you're you do a really deep cut and really pay attention to what they're talking about throughout the whole movie, that third act can get really heavy with like Gozer and like what's why the state puff marshmallow man all of a sudden just shows up (laughs) and like and like. What like, you have to really pay attention to what they're saying and what they've been talking about throughout the movie for all of that to make sense without you just being like, what the fuck is going on? You know, <laughs> yeah. and there's some um, crazy shit too, like when the like ground starts opening up and like people yeah, fall into it, but like, and they and then all of a sudden no they climb out. Yeah, yeah and like, then, people are not yeah. like, oh, this is fucked up. Like people yeah. are dying. Yeah, the vibe, and, the tone is weird at that. And point. they keep showing like all the different religious. Uh, 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 um, religions are represented like you know there and and I think I, I, I love how they come back to that that we're so diverse but we're all New York and the mm-hmm. second one does a better job of that uh, I think they tie because New York I in the first one I feel like they really were trying to portray New York as another character of the movie and they in the second one they really that is one good thing that they do that they I I remember in the second one which that's not wasn't a focus for this I didn't even watch the second one yet uh, where part of that with that one is like the slime is reactive to emotions and so oh they're telling <laughs> and it's in New York and I remember the they're in the mayor's office again and he's like. You want me to go on TV and tell a bunch of New Yorkers to be nice to each other? <laughs> being a self-entitled asshole is a given right of being a New Yorker or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Like uh and, and 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 they really made a good job of like making New York a character on this. But it it 
it's got Sigourney Weaver in it. She does a fantastic job. Um, uh, you know, all of the, the, the cast does a great job. Annie Potts is awesome. Oh yeah. And then, uh, in Rick, Mor- this is one of my favorite Rick Moranis characters. Yes. Um, yeah. I was, he stole the, he actually, I mean, Bill, we talked a lot about Bill Murray, but like, especially towards the end, like Rick yeah. Moranis just stole the show. <laughs> he just, I, re- so, I was surprised at how much I remembered all of it. Like, yeah, like it was all so familiar to me in the greatest way. Like his. Yeah, he was dynamite. He was the Jerry O'Connell of this thing. Yeah, he's just (laughs) he's so good. I love the little joke that every time he walks out of his apartment, he wants to walk out of his apartment (laughs) to like like Dana, like tries to walk like Sigourney Weaver's character. She like uh, she's always tiptoeing next to his apartment. And even when he has a raging party going on, he hears her like coming down the hall. But every time he leaves his apartment, he locks himself out. Like, I just like, and he's so infatuated with Dana where he's like, you know, maybe you should leave your TV on. The first time you see him, he's basically, her TV's been on all day. And he's like, so you shouldn't leave your TV on so loud. The super had to come up and he was, and uh, so what I did was I tried to climb out on the on the ledge so I could get in to disconnect the cable. That was his first react, like his first way to solve the problem. And then his, his follow-up to that was, so I couldn't do it. So what I did was I went into my apartment, turned my TV up real loud. <laughs> so then the super would think it was, you know, something was wrong with the with the electric <laughs> or something like that. And you're just like, oh, that's so endearing. And just like, <sighs> when he tells the story about uh, like Zorg the Destroyer and like, Oh, fuck it's so good like he just like <laughs> yes have some okay hilarious. so it, when he's like at the party and he, you find out it's all his clients <laughs> and, like so he could do it as a tax write-off and like and i used to like i i i, I remember telling somebody about that that's how that his character was really meant a lot to me as a kid because he was like, and they're like, what do you mean? Like, he's such a loser in that movie. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, he's like a nerd. And he like has this party that all these people are excited to show up to. And he dances with that really hot, tall blonde and like, <laughs> Oh yeah. All that stuff. And I just thought that was so cool. Uh, he was, well, yeah, he was not, he was not embarrassed of himself at all. He was no. very self-confident. Yeah. In this yeah, great absolutely. Way. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, just a fantastic fucking character. I think they might've done overdone Lewis Tuttle in the second one. Cause he oh. becomes like, he kind of in the sec in the sequel. So in this one, it's like Annie Potts's character. Um, what, what's her name? Janine janine yeah does that sound right uh janine you has a love interest for egon you think her and egon are going to end up together but in the second yes. one because i love this scene where he when at the end of the first one when lewis tuttle meets all he's like who are you guys when they take <laughs> yeah. the thing off, he's like we're the ghostbusters right oh who does your taxes yes. like that's pretty yeah <laughs> it's like fucking businessman all the way so in the sequel he is their ta- like he's their oh. like like business guy and so he plays a bigger role but him and janine end up like being love interests with each other there's this like oh, subplot between the two of them uh 
and he ends up becoming like a he puts on a uniform and goes out and pretends oh, to try to be a ghostbuster that. and yes, yes. slimer like drives him like slimer pulls up in the cab and he's gonna drive him to the thing you remember all this I'm like starting to makes me and it was just kind of this <laughs> like kind of ridiculous subplot uh that i feel like they might have overdone it a little bit but you know what's crazy this uh this is not exactly related uh but you know we were gonna i wanted to watch this obviously we need, i need to watch it for the show and so i checked and it was like it was on netflix and i was like holy shit this is the first time i can think of in ages and ages that a specific movie i want to watch is available to stream on this platform wow like, wh- ghostbusters Wicked. was on netflix it was like the oh. week before oh. <laughs> i went to watch it so then like i go to sign on i'm like what the fuck and it's like the the cartoon is available at this point. Yeah. I had to rent it from Amazon, but, but yeah, it was like, so I was like, Oh, I could just watch it on Netflix. It went through my brain for a moment. Cause they were both there and now they're gone. Cause they don't Netflix. have any used DVD stores around you. Uh, there is one downtown, but it closes so early. I can oh. almost never get there. And we have there, library we, and all that, but we have, um, I don't know. It's a chain, but I don't know if it's a national chain. Uh, half price books have you heard of that oh sure yeah we have those not not super near me but like kind of on the way home that's where i got I this this was like ten dollars oh it's nice it's like those movies it's on blu-ray it's like yeah so I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I, I always there, there's two or three really good half price books and then there's huber heights which is close to me has a really good used movie store that when i'm in a pinch like that Usually between the three, like the two or three that I have, if I call, I can find a used copy of something. So just keep. I, I mean, as a suggestion to our listeners and to you, if you get that itch, yeah, and you don't want to eBay or or Amazon, just don't forget there's still brick and mortar stores out there that do good. That, de- yeah, I'm know. glad. Thank you for reminding me of that because I mean, you'd think I would remember, but I, uh, it gets all too easy to impulse buy in your Amazon yeah. And I guarantee that those places are mom and pop, and you, so you're going to be supporting good people. You know, yeah. like people that are probably like yeah, yeah. Going so to those places. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. But so I thought of. Very early in the stages, uh, and I'll talk about this in the letter, but early stages in, of Long Walk Short Drink, I had this concept of if there were things that I wanted that I end up doing like little soapbox speeches on anyways, but I thought like a vehicle for that could be these things that I would call open letters. Um, and so, yeah, this is an open letter Rick Moranis. <laughs> when Palmer, before we started the show, Palmer said, oh, I added this thing to our agenda or whatever, this spreadsheet that we have. I looked at it and I scream. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad you guys don't get to see that reaction because I was so excited. Yeah. So, well, and you, you had said like, well, and I'll talk about that in the letter. So let me, uh, Let's read I'll, this. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share. Well, no, because that'll put the URL in there. I don't want to do that. Uh, but I do have this actually typed up, like it's like typed up like a letter. So you should put it uh, on the internet just in case. Yeah, it is. It's on my it's on my LWSD Palmer Google Drive. Oh, so, excellent, excellent. So what my my thoughts are is when this goes out as the podcast episodes, uh, one of my tweets that I'm going to do is actually tweet this to Rick a link to this letter to Rick Moranis. Um. And see if he reads it. 
I love it. So, all right. So, uh, here we go. So, two, Mr. Rick Moranis, father and actor, from the desk of Palmer, co-host, Long Walk, Short Drink, 6 March, 2019. Dear Mr. Moranis, I hope this letter finds you well. My name is Palmer. I'm a co-host of a podcast slash YouTube show called Long Walk, Short Drink. Amongst other things, this show has become an ad hoc therapy session for both myself and my buddy Dave, who is the other host of the show. Ages ago, in an early episode, I pitched an idea of a segment where I would write open letters to people, places, and things. Dave asked me who I would write the, fir the first letter to, and I said without hesitation, Rick Moranis. Earlier this year, we were discussing goals for the new year and... In that discussion, Dave suggested that I start writing down my thoughts to assist in the journey I have set out for this year. Honestly, I thought it was a great suggestion, but have been struggling on where to start. Then, last episode, we decided to have a retrospective on Ghostbusters and Stand By Me, and Dave offhandedly said, maybe we'll finally hear that open letter to Rick Moranis. So, here we are. And yes, that was a long walk for a short drink. I'm listening to the agoraphobic cowboy while I write this. I haven't listened to this before, and I was curious. I wondered if I would hear you missing acting in your songs. Does that sound crazy? I wanted to hear if it sound like you missed acting. So ridiculous. I think I wanted to hear if you missed it as much as I missed you doing it. That's the heart of this letter. I miss seeing you pop up from time to time to make me laugh with amazing character work. And I miss even more seeing you pop up even more infrequently as a leading character that would just blow me away. Even when I was a kid, seriously, I bet you haven't had a fan tell you that when they were 10, they were hit hard by the scene where you defend your pancake syruping system to your estranged wife in my blue heaven with the simple phrase, there's a system for everything. Sorry, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to quote your movies and gush. I'm, I'm trying to express what your work has meant to me and hopefully convey why the world, not just me, needs a little more Rick Moranis. My dad wasn't around for about seven years while I was growing up. I was the baby, so my mom was overprotective. Needless to say, I spent a lot of time in front of the television with next to no filter and a subscription to HBO. And I can tell you, while I look over your IMDb, from this period of my life, just about every one of your movies has a connection to a fond memory of mine. Little Shop of Horrors, Ghostbusters, My Blue Heaven, Parenthood, Strange Blue, Strange Brew, sorry, Club Paradise, shit, Spaceballs. I can remember going to see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids at the movie theaters when it first came out. You were there in the periphery of my childhood, and I always found a connection to your characters. I was a sheltered, chubby kid who lived in government-assisted housing, and I saw this guy who wore those huge black horn-rimmed glasses and owning it. I really dug that. Your characters were these nerds that just owned it so much they became who they were. How honest and sincere can you get? 
People say Big Bang Theory made nerds cool, and I say that's bullshit. These missed it. They missed it by a couple decades. Seriously, man, you inspired me, and your comedy helped shape who I am today. And today, I could really use a little more inspiration. Have you seen what's going on in this world? We need to laugh. We need to see that it's okay to be ourselves. You gave that to me, and I know I am not alone. The reason you walked away from acting is probably one of the most inspirational reasons, and I am sure your children are grateful. Just know that if the day ever comes that you decide to returning to acting, I will be first in line for a ticket. I know that might not be what it takes to push you over the line. I'm not anybody you know or will ever meet, but I am someone you have impacted. I am someone you have made for the better. I am someone who has benefited from your craft. So if you do ever find yourself missing missing it, know you have been missed as well. Until that day comes, I'll just be here. Surrounded by assholes. Sincerely, Palmer. Long, long, no drink. Oh, that's everything I could have wanted. <laughs> Magnificent. He's got to come back now, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it, resist. right? Yeah. <laughs> Terrific. Surrounded uh, by assholes. Oh, yeah. that's inspired. You wrote that today? Yeah, I wrote Off that you. like 20, <laughs> like 20 minutes before we started. This always made me jealous about you. Like I felt you could always like come up with things so quickly. It's like you would, oh, you got to write a paper and you would just write it and it'd be that. I can't tell you how long something like that would take me. <laughs> that was just great. So wonderful. Uh, Moto says, keep firing, assholes. <laughs> oh, that's glorious. so fantastic. Glorious. Yeah. So, Rick Moranis, come back. Please come oh, back. We need you. <laughs> As I'm looking at this, I went to see if he was on Twitter. And uh, he seems to be, but he's not verified, which I think is also awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the top is this like tattoo someone has on their leg of him, and the glasses like as I'm seeing it and looking at you, I'm looking right and left. Your new glasses kind of look. Oh <laughs> like really? Those glasses. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean those like those are trademark. His every one of his characters yeah. has those big horn. Even Dark Helmet man like had those fucking glasses on. Yeah. Like oh, that's awesome. fucking cool. Like that's you. That's just cool. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Oh man, that's that was that was everything I wanted. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. Thanks. I'm glad it was good. I'm that glad. Should definitely be a segment, for, which is you know when you feel appropriately moved. Yeah, <laughs> I know that one was, you know, in the back of your mind for quite a while. But yeah, it's good, good stuff, <laughs> and good movies. Thank you for you know, like I said, I I thought I knew Ghostbusters, but I hadn't seen it in ages, and and watched it, and it was so delightful. And of course, I'd never seen Stand by Me, so yeah, this was a a really satisfying long walk. Short drink remembers for me. Awesome, it was for me too. I mean, like getting really, I I I liked um, going back and revisiting these movies through the lens of the show, just because it really. It's like, okay, I need to watch this to be able to talk about it. And I and I can kind of, you know, I know what kind of questions we're going to talk about or like how, what direction we're going to go. Like, how do we feel about it now as an adult? And does it do those things? Like, 
and so like needing to be reflective like that on on these I, I i love having that excuse to look through them with that analytical lens and and see them it was it would have been really easy for me to say I watched those movies a thousand times. I'm not watching. I can, I I'll be able to talk for two hours about them. And I would have been right. Oh yeah, sure. You know, uh, but it wouldn't have been the same conversation, you know? So, um, and I think especially for stand by me, I mean, that's so much of that, yeah. that story, um, more so in the book than the film, but like looking back and reflecting on that. Yep. You're yeah. You're actually in that case, probably looking back on a similar time frame but in this weird way of like on the movie as a thing as opposed to like the yep. actual experiences you had as a kid yep with other kids i mean so very cool and i'm sure as we continue on with the like long long short drink remembers we'll keep having that sensation but it's it is nice to see to have an excuse to look at them from uh e- even if i would have just picked stand by me or picked ghostbusters no show existed like if long walk short drink didn't exist, I don't think I would have watched it the same way as I did this past week. You know oh, what I interesting. mean? Yeah. So, um, it's nice to have that excuse to watch it a different way and not just take it for granted as something that you've watched a hundred times. So nice. yeah, thank you. And I'm oh, glad that I, I got that first, like I got the first thing written oh, and shared with like glorious. the public, you know, like and out there and like, so I've popped that seal. So hopefully I can like, get that's more a, of those things you that's know a really strong voice you know what i mean like i know you as a as a guy for a long time and i know you to write things sometimes but that's a really strong written voice that represents like what you're like that's not easy to stumble across and it's infuriating that you can come up with in an oh, afternoon oh. like I, I know like you know i talk about bruce Springsteen and stuff and he um he wrote his autobiography a few years ago um but it all stemmed from for him from writing this one particular like blog post on his website about his super bowl halftime show and he said like i i hit upon you're talking about a guy who's super conscious of like the work he puts out and the narrative that he creates he's like in this blog post i i hit upon a certain voice that i was able to write about myself in that felt like a vehicle to spring forward to this whole other like thing. And um, yeah, I guess that, that sprang to mind because I was like, Ooh, that's like, all, yeah, that that's a really great thing you hit upon that. I think you could translate into a lot of different things. And if, you know, if it's only, if ever, if, if ever is only just the, what you shared tonight, that's enough. <laughs> that was great. Oh, great, thanks, great, man. great. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank awesome. You. Thanks for another great show. I fucking love this show. I Me love, too. I love yeah. doing this show. I love constantly falling in love with doing this show. Um, so, yeah, great one. Another one in the can, right? Like, Indeed. One yeah. of those 26. One of those 26. Whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thanks to our two viewers uh, who stuck with us the whole time. I'm assuming it's still Broadman and uh, Moto Moto. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for your sticking around with us this whole time. Um, <clears throat> all right. So let's go through the spiel and then we'll wrap oh, it up. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, make sure that you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, we record the shows live and then we'll put out the podcast at, on Wednesdays at eight Eastern time. The next Wednesday, that show will get put out as a podcast episode. 
Uh, so go to YouTube, make sure you subscribe. We're really close to our hundred subscribers to get our unique URL. Our hundred subscriber ends up getting our goodie basket, which we don't even know what all is going to be in that. Uh, so head over to YouTube, search long walk, short drink, subscribe, bring the bell. So you get notified every time we record, head over to Twitter, follow us at LWSD pod. Um, you can go to audibletrial.com slash LWSD, download your free, um, start your free, your audible trial and download your free audiobook, which you get to keep whether or not you stick with audible, uh, Download the new Pet Cemetery, wrote read by Michael C. Hall, which I couldn't even finish, and I've read, <laughs> I've listened to just about every Stephen King book that there is. Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, I different seasons. You can get yeah, different, different seasons. seasons. Yeah. Um, I started restarted the Dark Tower series. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. I, last year was the first year since I been through it. I would say like two thousand seven or eight. Last year was the first year I didn't go through the whole series in the year. Like I, I think I only listened to book five once during, cause I just jumped to book five. Cause that's my favorite one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can download the, uh, gunslinger. Um, other than that, I, I think that's it. Right. Did I hit all? Yeah. I think yeah. that's all the, all the majors. Well done. Yeah. So that's everything. Uh, other than that, this has been episode 65, Long Walk, Short Drink. Remembers, Stand By Me and Ghostbusters, I'm Palmer. Yeah. Signing off. Dayton, for, Ohio. Lo- for Long Walk, Short Drink, I am the key master. <laughs> Vince Clopos, I, I, I am the gatekeeper. Are you? Cheers. <laughs> yeah, is that right? Is that what you're going for? That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you in two weeks. All right. Be well, everybody. Take care, Paula.